It's the High and Wide Podcast with Brad Carlson and Damon Perrant. Triple H, Big Show, The Rock says tonight, the only two things that you two candy asses should concern yourself with is this, is your roll, know it, your mouth, shut it, and if you do that, then The Rock, the great one, Darren Dam Tease, you will smell what The Rock is cooking. Rune carries in, rolling in front of the minute shot, Dejardin following the play, and he missed the short shot, there he is again, This is a special edition of the High and Wide Podcast because it's Brad's favorite number. It's episode 69. 69! Take the number 69! It's hilarious! <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, 69. What does that even mean? I don't get it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome back to the High and Wide podcast. We got Brad, we've got Kevin, we've got Damon with you, and we're having some fun because uh, especially Brad, who is having issues with his computer, he's actually locked out of his laptop, which I think is just the funniest thing ever. It is not funny. <laughs> um, Kev. Uh. Before we get started, let's let's get into some uh, vaccination talk here because. Uh, oh, both you and I got our vaccinations, our first ones this week. Yeah, I think I, you're 24 hours ahead of me, I think. I am. Uh, how you feeling? A little on the lethargic side, having a nice nap after work. But Now, is that I mean, because you've smoked a big fat one this afternoon? No, or is I this... have, no I, uh, I've actually been smart today and stayed away from it, all the green because I figured I should probably not have an altered state of mind while dealing with the vaccine and know <laughs> if it's actually doing something to me. So that's fair. You know, I've been behaving myself, but um, I know I got, I got my vaccination on Wednesday, that first shot. And uh, I had a really, really good conversation with the nurse that administered the shot because there are people uh, that question why they should get it and what the science is behind this and why did this thing get pumped out so fast and all these kind of things. So we talked about those just because like I, I've, I have done my research. I've looked into the science behind this and I understand what the reasoning is and how they came up with this vaccination so quickly. Originally it was supposed to be like a two year wait to get the vaccine, but we're at a day and age where our technology is so far advanced and so much money and so many scientists just pooled together to finish off this vaccine. Because I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand is this vaccination is, was already 80% complete basically yeah. from, from prior 
um outbreaks like ebola ebola is a bad example but like ebola or sars which is a strain of covid right like this is covid19 obviously we've seen it 18 other times to a degree and so they they had basically the foundation set for this vaccine and within the last year since the outbreak of covid it's weird saying outbreak actually because it makes me think of movies and scary shit (laughs) But uh, yeah, they've they've had an opportunity to to come together, and the amount of money that was poured into it, like we have to remember, this is not just a poor people uh, like disease. Like rich people get it, and rich people don't don't want it, (laughs) so they're like, take my money. I totally agree with what you said at the beginning, though. If you have any questions, ask the person that you're dealing with. They are trained professionals. They know that they will answer anything for you. I didn't have a ton of questions, but I did have a couple. And he was and why not? more than able to answer anything I, anything I threw at him. And like you said, it's not the end of the world. You're going to feel a little off for a little while, but let's get this done. We need to get uh, yeah. back to normal life, boys. And yeah, I, I want to travel. I want to go to Mexico. Yeah. So, like, let's do this. Um, I will I say this, say, though. I, David, I was going to say in Saski to that point, uh, 44 and over can book their vaccination. Oh, you're so close. Yeah. So a few years away, uh, for sure by the 28th, Yeah. 40 and over, we'll be able to book their vaccination here. But Brad's we gonna... used to have, we had like a drive-through uh, vaccination <laughs> clinic going at, uh, like right close to the football stadium there, Damon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in one of those trade buildings we have right close, they had a, a drive-through set up where you get in line and, you know, at times it's like a six-hour wait for the drive or for the vaccine. Most of the time it's like one to two hours. Well yeah, worth the wait. Through. Oh, yeah, for sure. Pop in so, the High and Wide podcast yeah. and go. Exactly. Yeah. You, you don't go to like a pharmacy, which I'm assuming you guys did? Yeah, no. I went to a pharmacy. Uh, there uh, is, in my town, I'm about, what, 65, 7,000 people in my community. Yeah. And uh, we have six different locations that you can go get your shot at, uh, including one of the major... Uh, one of the major uh, COVID uh, uh, vaccine centers. So gotcha. yeah, I just yeah. went to the pharmacy myself, but there's lots of options out there. Yeah. See here in Winkler, we're a little, I think we're a little bit bigger than. Yeah. You Gordon. got about, yeah. You got about 1500 more people than us. Uh, and that I know of, I think there's three places here that we can get uh, yeah. clinics, uh, the one clinic. And then I think the two drug stores like uh, shoppers and, and then falls and uh, yeah, like, I made my appointment Monday. I got into the clinic by 11 o'clock. My shot was given to me by like five after. They make you wait a few minutes just to make sure that there's no immediate side effects, like a reaction to the actual shot, like uh, allergies or anything like that. And I was gone. Yeah. Easy we should point out to our listeners that uh, me and Damon live about 10 minutes apart in neighboring yeah. communities. So between 15,000 people there's about 10 off 10 different places you can go in the area. So That's they are looking after us well in that aspect for sure. Yeah, no kidding. They did a good job as far as that goes. I mean, the rollout of the vaccine, that's a different story. Also, it's a bit, but I, I don't know. We're getting there though. Uh, yeah. As you, as you were, cause it was probably made available for 40 plus. Yes. Yes. Okay. So but we, uh, the 40 why, plus people only could take AstraZeneca in Manitoba. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have a choice. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. 
and and that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But but once you get that age group taken care of, and then you have excess supply from what other manufacturer, yeah. then you then you work at the thirty to thirty nine age group. It's going to be really interesting to see the numbers, though, because Southern Manitoba is very hesitant on getting this vaccination. And that includes younger population, too. Yeah. Because we do have a very, I don't know, Kev, what would you say? Like Bible Belty type mentality out here? We're right in the heart of the Bible Belt. So we do have differing views out here. And I try to do my best to respect everybody's views, but. I'm tired of this. Let's, like I said, <laughs> like, let's get you, the job done and get back yeah. to some normal life here, people. Well, one of the funny things that I was talking to the nurse about was, and we don't want to harp on this too much, obviously, but she, I had, she's like, one of the questions that we get repeatedly is like, is, like, are we being chipped or is there some sort of technology that they're pumping into this thing? And she's like, well, first off, um, you're already chipped. We all own cell phones. So we're chipped. Like, let's not pretend that these companies don't have all of our information from our cell phones, right? So there's that. You've never once thought about not having a cell phone because you might be chipped. So stop. Uh, Bill Gates, he's one of the richest men in the world. He does not give a shit about Brad Carlson. Or Kevin Schwartz. I am Demon not Kevin. happy that I can't have a conversation with him after I got my shot and <laughs> chip now. Your five, your five G oh, didn't kick in. No, I'm, yeah, I'm more mad I about questions. I'm I'm more mad about that I don't have nanobots flying through my body. Like I really wanted the Iron Man armor. Let's go. <laughs> like it's bullshit that I can't get it. this thing to activate. It's garbage. But but yeah, like people saying that the rich want to take over. The rich have already. They're already in command like there's what are you talking about want to take over they're the richest of the rich yeah so like your concerns yeah. are all invalid yeah and like, one last one last point i'll throw out and then i'm kind of well we should probably move on but as far as the chip thing goes and surveilling us why the hell does any government care what kevin schwartz is doing in the middle yeah. of Morden, manitoba like exactly why do i need why do they need to be tracking me like you know give what? me a break funny you say that because we have a google speaker at home and yep. you know like you'll be sitting on the couch okay google tell me about the weather today or something like that and what do you want it had, to be <laughs> well yeah exactly we had uh we had some people over and they were and i'm not gonna say who it was but uh they were shocked that you had we this were, piece of we were okay with this like it's a listening device because it listens for you to right you up okay google yeah they were shocked that this device is just listening to our conversations and things that go on in this house it's like you know what if google wants to know everything about us they already you, do like we're, <laughs> we're yeah they do they do okay. that's no a good point but but we are so that. boring that if or if the government's <laughs> listening you know what they probably know that for my tax return I didn't donate 200 bucks. It was 175 <laughs> yeah. or like, you, you know, like that. Well, here's, here's thing. the thing. If you're that worried that the government's listening to your conversations, you should maybe not be doing the stuff that you need to be worried about there. No, I know. I don't. So like, that's a double edged <laughs> yeah. sword right there. Yeah. Like if, if yeah. you're worried that the government's listening in on your conversations because you buried a body in, in the Creek the other day, well, 
I mean, <laughs> just don't bury the body in the creek. You'd be fine. Maybe have reason to yeah. be concerned in that. That's the case, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, let's get let's get yeah. off of that. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because I think it is a, a relevant topic. Um, another big topic. I don't know how much you guys want to talk about this. The uh, verdict came down. <laughs> yeah. Let's get away from Corona talk and go right into this. Derek, <laughs> Derek Chauvin talk and uh, how yeah. he is uh, not going to yeah. be a happy gentleman. Got to any of our listeners out there who don't like politics and sports missing, just give us five more just minutes. Fast forward yeah, for yeah. half hour of our podcast this week, and we'll be back with you on sports talk in a bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, were you guys surprised by this verdict? I I was worried about it. Right? I I don't I want to say surprised. I was worried about it because if this was not a slam dunk. No, if that if that went the other way, it would have been mayhem all across the US. Yes. And I like I'm generally pro cop. I have a lot of friends and family, and you know I would like to think that there's a few bad apples out there that they do paint a bad picture for everyone else. 100%. And like, if I'm in any sort of experience where I'm in trouble right now, the first people I'm calling is the cops. Right. Like it's, you know, so like, you know, I'm extremely appreciative for everything they do for, for society, but this guy, this was not one of those guys you know, well, this guy literally had a laundry list of prior. Yes. um, And I don't think he, like, it's yeah, he didn't wake up that day. It's like, Oh, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to kill a black man. Sure. Like, but at the same time, and I I don't even think that when he had his knee on his neck, he was intentionally trying to kill him either, but that's not what he was charged with either. Nope. He was charged with accidental death. Yes, or, yeah. or something along those lines. Well, there was and, like he was charged for three counts, of second, three, like third second degree third. Accident of manslaughter. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, accidental murder. I think is yeah, how they yeah, worded that other charge, which was really weird. Right. But but really, well, like it comes from if, the. I, I mean, I the U.S. is a totally different from, system. I gotta guess that that third charge comes from him showing no remorse in the situation nope, right. whatsoever. Where right. He's five minutes into having his knee on, on George Floyd's neck and he's Nothing picking rocks out of his tire on his car, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I was talking to RCMP friend of mine and their their policy is cuffs on, cops off. Yeah. And why is that such a tough or foreign concept to grasp? You have someone who's already being arrested we and can't immobilize yeah here's a question i'd like to that i i don't really have any cop friends in my life i i know the cops in our community and they treat us very well here so i nothing but great things to say about them but the one question i'd like to throw their way and i mean maybe it's different out here in canada but cops have their gun on their strong hat and their yes. taser on their weak hat yeah should that not be reversed should your first instinct shouldn't be to go to the deadly weapon. It should be to go to your weaker weapon that is not going to kill somebody instantly, right? Like, See, I, I, I get what you're saying there. Because if they have like, if it's like a life a or death situation, to yeah. react, it's like bam, bam. Like you know. And I get that it it saves the it it saves that girl's life 
in what was it chicago in the yeah. stab with the one with the knife where the girl was the black girl 16 year old was going to stab the other girl yeah. and the cop yeah. killed her it i get that it prevents there but i just think it just seems like in the states it's so instinctual for those guns to just be instantly drawn especially when you're dealing with black people in that country and i i wonder i don't what, know what the right answer to that i'm is, staying but, out of that one yeah that whole 16 or 17 year old girl with a knife i'm staying out of that one i don't I don't, I don't know, know what the that. whole situation is. being assaulted that. with a knife? Yeah, there was... The uh, person's well, life's in danger? Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I think in that situation, the cop did yeah, exactly okay. the right thing. Like, yeah. when it comes to... She's got a knife and she's about to stab somebody else. Absolutely. That's where the yeah. cop pulls his gun and does what he needs to do to protect the person yeah. who's about to get stabbed. I don't disagree with that at all. Um, where I do disagree... I, I, it's, but it's I get what so, you're saying. It just seems to be so instinctual for the first yeah. instincts for officers to do is go for their gun and it's not it shoot first um, ask questions later yeah and it's not crimes that warrant the gun being pulled in most cases and that's another interesting debate down there are they really in a situation where cops have to arrive at every you know every time there's a traffic violation happening well at the point we're at the point in life where there's cameras everywhere if somebody runs a red light you send them a ticket in the mail with the video with the video evidence. If you mm-hmm. if somebody you know doesn't hit their bleaker, you send them a ticket because you got it on cam, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. do the cops really need to be pulling over every per- all these people on traffic stops? I guess is maybe another fair question to ask. See, and the I, crazy thing is, you mentioned like gun and taser. There was yeah. a shooting in the U.S. maybe a week ago, and I I, I don't know if it's Columbus, Ohio, or Columbus in another state, but there was one where officer had her weapon drawn towards the suspect. You know, the suspect was trying to get into the vehicle, I don't know, reach for something or trying to take away or something. And she shot him. And then a couple seconds later, she said, like, holy shit, I shot him. Yeah. And looking back on it, like the police chief said, well, you know, based on their initial review, she thought she had a taser. And she oh, writes, that's right. She that's yells, right. taser, taser, taser. Taser, taser, taser. Yeah. And yeah. Then shoots him, then holy shit, yeah. I shot him. Yeah. Th- that's, yeah. that's it. It's one of those things like, you know, a lot of people say, how could you not know? Which, again, yeah. heat of the moment situation. I, I was going to say heat of the like, moment for sure. I mean, obviously, a taser and a gun, they don't have the same weight. They aren't the same feel in your hand. Yeah. I've never held a gun before, so I can't really comment on that. But I would imagine you're in you're in a situation where i'm not maybe not necessarily like life or death kind of situation but maybe it is the adrenaline's flowing you're just reacting on instinct yeah and that's and that's such a tough situation i like i i think the biggest thing that i don't understand when it comes to all of this is this anti-cop hate and everything where like let's defund the police defund the police whoa easy where a lot of that comes that's a, from, though, that's a bad is, situation if you do that. Yeah. Where a lot of that talk comes from and that mentality, I guess, is just forever. How many years that this has been going on in the United States, nothing's been done about it. Right. Cop after cop after cop has got away with it. And cop after cop after cop is covered up for those cops. Well, you know what? The, it's, like, it's time for it's time in the States where, like, as Brad was talking about, 99.9% of all cops are, do that job honorably and are there for yeah. the right reasons. But it's time for those 99% of the cops to step up and start stop 
stop being like this is this is a cop we've got to protect our own yeah yeah because they've at this point your name is mud because of this they've earned no trust from the black community in the united states and when incidents like the girl with the knife or the or that gentleman with the in the car happen the first instincts for everyone is to immediately go to the race card and that's not always the case or fair agree i agree all right let's get away from this yeah, <laughs> there's our crazy politics. political talk. Um, <laughs> I guess to, we oh, need to can we touch on one other thing. Oh yes, quickly More before we leave, <laughs> just quickly before we leave on this topic, a couple professional franchises, mm. uh, not e- not even the Raiders. The Raiders, like oh, it, the was Raiders. Ro- oh. it was wrongly worded, but I did see George Floyd's brother speak to the issue, and he understood where they were coming from. They just, it was just. Totally wrong how what they put out there. Uh, here's uh, my best, opinion on this. But what I have issue or what I want to I'd like for sports franchises to stop doing is the, when they're putting the out bland their apologies. Generic. Yeah. No, it's, it's, the, the, the bland generic sucks, but it's what I have it's a business is there were multiple franchises that worded their statement with George, the George Floyd trial. Yes. It was George, George Floyd, Floyd wasn't on was trial. Not yeah, on trial. Yeah. Yeah. So smarten up when you're putting out statements like that because that is not. That's and not, you know what? That's not right. You know what's horrible about that? It wasn't just NHL teams doing that. It was NFL teams doing yeah. that too. I've seen, I, NFL... I seen three. I've seen three separate teams. I'm not going to name them, but I, there were three teams that made that mistake. So yeah, the, the NFL yeah. needs to buck up and stop. Like they they need to really support that community because oh, have they thrown the black community right under the bus? Everything that's going on with. Uh, Colin Kaepernick and now the whole George Floyd thing and then uh, standing or kneeling for the anthem like geez you gotta make a decision and get away from that because it looks bad the NHL I they're 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 far away as far as being connected to anything let alone something like this like this is such a serious thing right like you've got the black community in the NHL even stepping away from the NHL uh, with their with their um what, lasted all of what lasted all of a month that partnership and the... they, they well they walked away because like you guys aren't yeah. doing anything it's you're just it's just empty statements yes you guys. just words that yeah. mean nothing the NBA, i didn't even know that <laughs> yeah the nba is the only group of, of teams that are coming out and calling it the george floyd murder and this situation needs to be like they're, they're not even calling it justice for george floyd because it's not it right justice would be him living yeah right yeah. like this is accountability this is the beginning yeah. of accountability and so yeah i agree 100 percent. and the raiders thing <laughs> i i think after all the bad press and i don't know, maybe they clarified their position no his brother his brother said george that, floyd's brother yeah said yeah he came on we can breathe now ins- yeah he has made that yes, comment in the I past before and that's where it came from and he didn't yeah. hold them with any but i i get where the outrage came from too absolutely. well george George Floyd or George Floyd's brother saying it is one thing. Absolutely. The Oakland yeah. or the LA Raiders or oh, Las Vegas Raiders, Las wherever, Vegas. Yeah. wherever yeah. the hell they are now, the Las Vegas Raiders coming out and saying that, and it being from Davis himself, they should have bad loaded. They should have quoted his brother. Yeah, it may have been yes. as simple as I, just I putting the breathe. quotations. His name Put in quotes, there. name underneath. Yeah. It's awesome. just a, it's a horrid look, yeah. horrid look. Yeah. There you go, Brad. Get your job PR with the Raiders. Exactly. Yeah. I quit my day job. That's a tough. <laughs> franchise. That's a tough franchise to work for. Oof. But yeah. you'd be in a you'd be in Vegas, which would be kind of garbage, actually. I'd be okay with it. Or, yeah. You live in Vegas. You're, 
I don't it's know. not a bad city, actually. Sure. I've been there a couple of times. Oh, it's like, a hey, dirty city. As a visitor, I've been there a couple of times as a kid and seen like kind of the cleaner part of Vegas. Well, the clean and, part of Vegas yeah. is a strip. It's not. I don't know. I could live in Vegas. Oof. I don't know. I like visiting it because I don't have my to bank go account, My else. bank account wouldn't yeah. be able to handle me living in Vegas. <laughs> that's for sure. But. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's get into some sports talk. CFL. Yeah. Let's start with this because they just came out. With the yep. announcement that the season is going to start on August the 5th, and it's a 14-game season. Yeah, see, yeah, at the earliest. At I the earliest. there's a good chance that gets pushed back. Sure. Uh, Grey Cup. December 12th. December 12th. Yeah. <laughs> that could be late. a chilly one. Mind where, you, where, where at? Hamilton. I think it's Hamilton. Hamilton? Okay. Yeah. So, you know, depending on what the weather's like, sometimes, you, what do they call it, the uh, lake... Like you get winds off the lake, yeah, and it is effing cold. Yeah, yeah, it it could, it could be you know, gnarly. Yes, so, but uh, so I, yeah, that could be that could be a chilly one. Here's the thing, though, uh, and everything that I've kept reading about what's going on with this season for the CFL, uh, the CFL commissioner Dean, Doug, Dean Ambrosi, who Randy. Randy, Randy, there um, you go. Uh, he he says he says that uh, they are committed to a 2021 season. Yeah. So what that looks like, we don't know. 14 game season is better than nothing. Eight game season, to me, is better than nothing because I don't know I if the CFL survives another year with no football. Yeah, you need a you need a season this year. Yeah. I don't think there, I don't think there's a worry about losing fans. I don't think that's a thing at all. Toronto maybe, but Toronto it's iffy there anyway that's such a unique market they yeah. need to figure out what to do there for sure it's tough because all the young people gravitate to the raptors right you've got you've got the corporate groups that are all about well, the toronto maple yeah. leafs and then there's the argos and they would rather have nfl yeah oh yes yeah. okay so you have the leafs the raptors you have the jays those that's are right. all major sports you have tfc and yes. they have a strong following there. They have as a well. huge following in yeah. the city. It's a very diverse city. So, yeah. and then you have uh, concerts. Yeah. Normally, uh, you have theater events. You have Toronto being you a major city here. Yeah, it's a world class city. Yeah. It is a world class city. There's yeah. events going on all over the place, and there's a ton of competition yeah. for your entertainment dollars. And then you yep. have the Argos. They're competing against all of that. So the, the move into BMO Field has been a bit of a bust. I think they're hoping yeah. to create a bit of a game day atmosphere, and that just hasn't happened yet. It's uh, well, I've, I've maybe been trying to piggyback off of the off the soccer club's uh, popularity by moving into their for home sure. field as well, right? And it worked for the Alouettes in Montreal. They went from the Big O. It was a dead atmosphere, way too yep. big of a building into, uh, what's that called? Uh, Percival or Molson yeah. Stadium, maybe? I think it was McGill. Percival at one point, and then it was yeah. Molson. Yeah. Uh, uh, McGill University plays there. Yeah. And it's very small, outdoor stadium, downtown Montreal, and instantly created a game day atmosphere. And Toronto just hasn't done that. The thing, could the they, thing though... Um, could they do... TFC games in the afternoon and do an Argos game in the evening and you buy a double pack in both games? Would that fly in the city? 
I don't think so because that's a long. Yeah, that's too much sports in one day. Do you have a different fan base? I guess that would be the thing. Type of fan, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I know that uh, it it does make for a long day, but at the same time, for a sports nut. But even That's a lot of Argos, and it even is. if you could keep twenty percent of the audience from the TFC game in your arena, and then you get your regular yep. crowd coming in, yep, you yeah. will start making some. You should start making some fans off of that. I would yeah. think, but like you said, I think it, it it boils down to just the entertainment dollars so thin in the city like Toronto that Argos are just so far down the list that they're always going to just be fighting for survival. I think, yeah, for sure. I don't think I, it'll matter. Don't think it matters really what they. Where they move them, what they do promotion wise, or what they and set ticket prices at. I just, it's a tough sell. Yeah. And their defense this year is going to be at least their linebacking group is like three all stars, which uh, is insane. Charleston Hughes, Hinock Mwamba, I believe, and yep. Cameron Judge. So they have three top tier linebackers on the defense to start as it is. So that could be a team like if they come out of the gates winning, maybe that might help them get some fans. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, yeah. it might be the situation too where I don't think we're gonna we're not gonna see fans in Toronto for the Leafs at all. Nope. Raptors are down south. So if the Argos yeah. can get back yeah. out there and be the first market on the field that's had could be fans huge in there, it could Jays, help them a lot. The Jays are down in the States right now, they're eyeing to come back, but by then, the Jays season be wrapping up. So They've that's got a to be very a good point. It's got, that's got to be at least that's two months point. away, though. Yeah. Okay. Like, with the way oh, yeah. Ontario's oh, on fire on, right yeah. now. And like, actually, I wanted to talk about Ontario. I forgot. Uh, yeah, Ontario's a complete mess there. They yeah, shut like, down everything. You can't go outside, go play in a playground with your kids. You can't go golfing, tennis. Parks are closed. Like, it is crazy. I've actually been surprised that the Leafs and Senators operating still in the province hasn't been brought up as an issue with people. You haven't heard it, but it, you yeah, always but, hear that. If my rights are being taken away, why are they still able to do what they do? So yeah, but it's, I'm just surprised it hasn't Yeah, been no, I know, I know. But I guess they're not bubbled, though, are they? No, They have strict to- protocols at that they have to follow. Yeah. But they're not bubbled, like in, in Edmonton or yeah. So while we're on yeah, the point. COVID NHL talk, what did you guys think of Robin Leonard's comments yesterday? I understand what he's saying. Sorry, if you could summarize his, I, I heard he made a statement and in something about his uh, like mental health battles and everything too. His uh, his issue with the NHL is that the play, he claims the players were promised that once vaccinations started rolling out and players started getting the shot, that life would start going back to normal for him okay. as not so much in arena, but out arena where they would start to be able to go out know, and do not stuff live with, with you know, in that kind of NHL better, bubble, I guess that they've yeah, created yeah. where you, you go to the arena, you go straight home. You don't make any stops in between when you're on the yeah. road, it's straight to the hotel, back to the arena. Like there's no going for a movie or out for dinner, any of that kind of gotcha. stuff. Right. So okay. they were kind of promised that these restrictions would lift and, Leonard yesterday asked for time at a presser, which is very strange for him because he does not like doing press. And uh, yeah, he went off on the NHL. Now, Leonard's bipolar. Yeah. And so when he starts talking, uh, 
sometimes his words can sound a lot stronger, I think, and a little more harsh than he's maybe trying to uh, yes. convey. I think the he big deal with some him. some words when he compared the situation they're in to being in prison. That's where I think yeah. some people kind of took some offense to his comments. But he he's a guy with mental health issues who is probably pretty desperate for life to get back to normal and yeah, felt the need yeah. to speak up. And I didn't really have a problem with his comments myself. I, th- but. I think you need to have the context of what the situation right? Like if this was, say, a player that does not deal with mental health issues coming out and saying this stuff would be a bad look. Robin Lehner, we all know has dealt with mental health issues. He's an advocate for mental health throughout the league and and for everybody. Uh, And and big reason why he's one of my five favorite players in the league. When he came to Chicago last year, like the whole Chicago fan base fell in love with that guy. And it's no different than when he was an Islander and no different than what's going on in Vegas right now. Sure. Like he is one of the most likable athletes once you start rooting for him that you'll ever find. Yeah, and and I think when you know what he's talking about and where that context is from, then his words aren't as terrible as they may sound. Now, yeah, the wording could have been probably better, but at the same time, this is a guy that's frustrated. This is a guy that wants life to get back to normal. This is a guy that is dealing with mental health issues. And as a lockdown happens, like I'm, I'm very fortunate enough to not be somebody who has to deal with mental health, um, like with poor mental health. Yeah. So me being stuck in my house all day, eh, okay, whatever. I, like I got PlayStation four, I can play vids and we got podcasts and movies and TV and all this. I'm, I'm good. But a person like a Robin Laner or other people that are dealing with mental health, like that's not an ideal situation for them. Nope. So I get, I get exactly where he's coming from on this issue. Um, moving ahead out of um, out of basketball, or sorry, out of the CFL, because I think we pretty much got. Oh, there was one other thing. There was no mention of the XFL when laying down structure, no. which I thought was kind of interesting. Because they for that. well, they came out of the gates firing on this. Yeah, and well, then and then silence. Uh, well, the media came firing out of the gates with the story. Sure. I don't, I don't know if the XFL and the CFL were ready for any news to break there. No, I, maybe not. So maybe that is why yeah. you got that fire somewhere at the start, and now you've heard absolutely nothing. Since Could be. Then. It may have been, yeah. you know, pretty minuscule talks that really may never go anywhere. We really don't know at this point. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, moving on to baseball, how about Shane Bieber? Have you guys heard of what's going on with him? Four starts to the year. He is the first pitcher in MLB history with 10 strikeouts in four consecutive starts to the season. That is bonkers to me. Well, it's crazy that a guy like Roger Clemens or Randy Johnson or somebody hadn't done that in the past. That's what's almost craziest to me about that statistic. But even even like uh, in the 118-year history of Major League Baseball, that has never happened. And I was looking at his stats. It's he's kind of bonkers. Like he's only he turns 26 next month. Uh 36 and 15 record. He's buried in Cleveland. Obviously, pedestrian team. But in 435.2 innings pitched, he's got 547 strikeouts, which is crazy. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, I was um, going to say I've had him in fantasy. I'm not playing fantasy ball this year, but that yeah, that was one thing I was going to just point out is like he was one of those guys. Didn't matter if you got the win or the loss because he was always striking out like 
huge People numbers every left, night. Right and center. Work hard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these numbers that he's put up in his career so far, these are MLB the show numbers. Like, these are video game numbers. Yeah, I love it when players start doing stupid things like that. <laughs> like, oh, and, and the thing is, though, he's been, I think he's been in the league, is it four years now? And every year, his ERA is just boop, dropping. Every year. Like, this year, he's just over two, but he's only played four games. Last year, he was under, I think he was under two. The year before that, he was like three, and then his first year is like four. But all winning seasons, like who? And that's a bit of an anomaly in baseball because usually yes. when the ERA starts going down, it's usually because pitchers get away from trying to be a strikeout pitcher and they're trying they're they're playing contact more often than yeah, not. Right? So Bieber is the fact straight that up he's heat. able to just throw heat all all game long and do what he does is impressive for sure. I like. That's I was looking. Crazy- Go ahead. I was going to say that the crazy thing with the MLB, MLB is you said he's been in Cleveland for four years. Yeah. And I'm sure that Cleveland has club control for another probably four years as well. Something like that. Like MLB, like in hockey, I guess you have RFAs. Yeah, but, but it's still RFAs like, goes to 26. Yeah, exactly. MLB goes longer than that. And I think the club has more the control. Reason- yeah, the reason for that yeah. though is 18-year-olds can play in in base or in hockey. Whereas baseball, it's a very rare thing yeah. to see. Yeah. That's so. True. But I, I was looking up <laughs> I was looking up Shane Bieber's stats online. And so they give like the whole like here's his height, weight, and all blah blah blah. Nickname. His nickname is not Justin. <laughs> not Justin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Which I thought was good. pretty funny. I wonder if he had that on his jersey last year when he yeah. like, guys the nicknames. No kidding. Eh? Um, I don't. I don't have a whole lot of NBA talk. I just wanted to point out Steph Curry's um, tear that he's on. Like, here's his last nine games. Okay, he's now the leading scorer in the NBA, averaging 31.1 points per game. But here's his last nine games: 49 points versus Philly. 47 versus Boston, 33 versus Cleveland, 42 versus OKC, 53 versus Denver, 38 against Houston, 32 against Washington, 41 against Milwaukee, 37 points against Atlanta. It's to the point where I think the only guy you can argue against him as best pure shooter in NBA history is Reggie Miller. I don't think there's no argument. There's no argument. And I love that. Reggie yeah. Miller, Steph Curry, and I'm not even a fan of Steph Curry. Steph Curry is, is the it? best pure yeah. shooter in NBA history, and it is not even close. You know, you even think close. Like he he is shooting the basketball borderline close to fifty percent three point. Oh, it's ridiculous. I think we've all seen yeah. that video of him standing in the corner there for seven straight minutes, jacking threes and not missing a single one yeah. of them. Like it's just like he's it's automatic. Yeah. And it's it's crazy, and he's he's at that stage of his career now where, as a shooter, like obviously, a guy like Vince Carter was this explosive dunker right at the beginning of his career, and evolved into a shooter at the end. Steph's already there; like Steph's been the shooter his entire career. This guy could play probably another ten years. Well, and a guy like Vince, he's playing a hard nosed inside game. Through his career, and that takes a toll on your body. You just, yeah. you but can't, lasted you can't forever. age, but you can't age forever without altering right. your game to become right. that pure shooter. Steph doesn't Curry, need to do that. Curry never drives the lane outside, you know, unless it's wide open. So, yeah, he may and play it's not another, contact. And he, he's had a couple 
pretty major some injuries, injuries yeah. but nothing that I wouldn't say. Guy yeah, can his... keep playing and playing if he wants to, right? Right. His injuries are – he's able to come back from because his style of play isn't aggressive and strong, no. right? Like uh, a guy like – um, he runs from the Thompson. top of the key to the top of the key on the right. court. He doesn't go any lower on either side of the court, right? So. Exactly. Well, like a guy like Clay Thompson, who is a strong defensive player, his game will be altered when he comes back. He's not going to be able to play Absolutely. 38 minutes a game because of the way that he plays defense and him being a shooter as well. But he also <laughs> drives to the hoop. So a guy like Steph, poof. Like he he is set up for the long con here in the NBA. It's it's actually kind of absurd. So but, here's uh, a crazy thing. I'm just looking at their standings, and you you named his past eight games. Was it how many nine. points he scored? Yeah. Nine. They're six and four in the last ten. Yeah, that's the thing. So if he's going off, and he doesn't have any support. So well, no. Yeah, his, his second support a, is Draymond Green, and Draymond Green is what does Chuck Barkley call him? Triple singles. He's a Draymond Green's a good number five guy on your roster. Yeah. Draymond Green's a fantastic he's, defensive player. Yeah, he's not a number. Yeah. He's not your second best player on your team. He's not. Or he's not an option team. on offense. No. no. And you said Clay Thompson is playing this year? No, he's hurt. He's out. oh, he's hurt. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. here's one other. Oh, go ahead. One other thing, basketball. I wanted to touch on NBA. Fuck off with how you're treating the Raptors right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. This team went through COVID earlier in the year and were forced to play games with eight men on their bench eight guys. and all their starters gone. Yep. You, they forced them to play those games, even though the Raptors did not want to play. Them. Yep. In a foreign country where they aren't yeah. even home. But then the Raptors get to the end of the season and they want to rest a couple of players and they get fined for, for tanking and for not trying to be competitive. NBA fuck off i'm sorry yeah. but um now they've won four in a row yep and, and they've got a game and a half back of eighth yeah no they're four games back are they of eighth place yeah they are four games back of eighth. Ooh, i thought they were closer but okay okay nope. okay yeah i'm just looking at it right now so <laughs> but, that's insane uh, so with how well they're playing as of late maybe they put a late season push towards the playoffs yeah I'd absolutely yeah yeah Absolutely. And it'd be, that would be like, I, I said this earlier in this year, this is not a year where you look at the Raptors and you judge them because they're playing on the road every single game. COVID is an issue. They've yeah. had to deal with major changeover and major changes because of COVID. It, this is not a year where you go, Oh, the Raptors won the NBA championship two years ago. And now look at them. No, 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 no don't yeah. do that. Wait until next year. We'll see what happens with Kyle Lowry. Well, let, and let's face it. They, this team is set up. For next year great spend, coaching they are set up to spend a whole tank load of money this yeah. offseason it will just be a matter of can they convince players to come to toronto yep yeah because if they can do that they can sign any player they want in the nba because they have the finances to do that so yep. here's here's a couple more steph curry stats so in some of those games 53 points he shot 58 from the field 55 from three point land 42 point game 70 field goal percentage 68 three-point percentage. Uh, 33 points, he shot 48%. 47 points, he shot 55% from the field and 57 from three. And then the 49 game, he shot 50% from the field and 58 from three-point land. It's wow. absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. And then this Shaq's, stat too. Shaq's, uh, Shaq's free throw numbers are never that good. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, exactly. Yeah. Steph Curry has six games this year with 10 plus threes in a game. This season, 
No other player has more than five in their career. Absolutely ridiculous. He he is <laughs> he has changed the game of basketball from tough down the middle to everybody shoots threes. Yeah. Like that's the game. I remember watching them in the NBA final. And every some shot. of those games were so close back and forth. Yeah. And him and Clay Thompson just three ball swish. It's it's, it's like piss off you guys. It's insane. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. But uh good good on him. He's he's a fan. Yeah. I uh, like I'm not I'm becoming more I, I hated him and the Golden State Warriors <laughs> when they were winning because I liked LeBron so bad. And I hated him losing. <laughs> I wanted well, him to win everything. Well, he's in that era of like a Tom Brady, right? You don't necessarily have to like the guy on the court. But like Steph Curry. You have to kind of respect what oh, he's Oh, big done. time. Like that's it, whether you like the player or not, right? I agree. Um, I got nothing in NFL. Should we get into some fantasy before we start talking hockey? Let's leave fantasy right to the end. I only got two okay. minutes. So I'll say it on my own. <laughs> okay. Uh, free advertisement, Brad. What do you got for us this week? I have uh, Player, P-L-Y-R Athletics. They're a golf clothing apparel company based out of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, so, yeah, just throwing out a free free plug to them. Some pretty cool-looking golf gear. And uh, Is this the, yeah, is this the thing that you're always luck. tweeting out for, uh, oh. for wins? No, that's uh, like for Monday Nooner. No, is it Monday Nooner? Maybe that's what that is then. Never mind. Yeah, I always tweet out Monday Nooner to win some uh, uh, free hat or something or, or a golf trip. Not a big deal. There you go. I'm trying for the first time these Breezer uh, cocktail beverages. Okay. And I've got the Pina Colada one for today because I want to. I want to be in Mexico right now. So that's my free club. Yeah. My my free my free pump out uh, Breezer Pina Coladas. If you haven't had them, they're really good actually. I like nice. them. Nice. So Kev, to sorry to interrupt. I don't know if you have a free ad. Damon, are you thinking going to Mexico this winter? No, not this winter. We'll okay. wait until things are officially reopened okay. kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Because the like, flying out is still an issue, right? So Yeah. Yeah, we were kind of hemming and hawing, like, you know, at what point would it be acceptable, acceptable. to go on a family trip down south? So, yeah. Yeah. We, we went last year just before COVID hit. We went last January oh, to yeah, Mexico yeah. and it was, I'd never been to Mexico. The, yeah. the most, well, the remote place that I'd ever been before was Hawaii. We went 10 years ago or something like that. And that was an incredible trip, but it's not all inclusive. Yeah. So it's an expensive trip. It was great, but Mexico, whoo-wee, man, didn't have to take a cent with us. We did just for tips and stuff like that, but it was so nice to just eat all the food that we want. Just like we literally for a week straight, just in the pool, eight hours every day or hit or hit in the ocean. And it like, it was so good. $20 massages on the beach. (laughs) That was good times. Like (laughs) I I highly recommend it. Have you ever been to Mexico? I've been to Mexico once back, uh, 20 some years ago probably oh, I was, wow. yeah yeah, yeah family I was, trip. Uh, no i was bartending at a local bar here and after work one night uh all he the said, waitresses Fuck it, let's go <laughs> well they had all there was four waitresses had decided to uh take this trip and all of a sudden they asked me to join them one night after work That's to be tough. the fifth going on it 
That's a yeah, tough one. Absolutely. Ask. I'll go to Mexico with you girls. Sure. Yeah. Come on, this would be great. All the guys. Why wouldn't it go? They were all, all fantastic looking girls, you know. And my buddy's like, How did you pull this one off? How did you? Know? Like, <laughs> Man, are you lucky you're going to Mexico with all these girls? <laughs> Never again. Never ah! again. <laughs> uh-huh. You became the babysitter for sure. Oh. Within the first like hour of us being at the resort, two of the girls figured that they had to track down a local that was hanging out just outside the resort and hop in a taxi cab with him to go get something to smoke. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a was, bad idea. It was a bad idea. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, it was a little too much uh, time on the beach, a little too much shopping. Oh. And that was the year that the Tampa Bay Bucks were going deep in their playoff run where they won the Super Bowl and I was massive, massive uh, football fan back in those days. And it was absolutely killing me that I'm on this resort in Mexico and there's nowhere I can watch football. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so, <laughs> any advice to any of our listeners out there? Always take a dude with you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, women's hockey. We should probably mention that the uh, Women's World Championships were canceled, yeah. which Dallas. is insane. Yeah. Well, go Wasn't Dallas. It- wasn't it just postponed to the summer? No, they canceled. They, it they was canceled a straight up canceled. Them? Well, see, I thought I did hear rumblings that maybe after. it is something. Yeah, I think that yeah. maybe they're they, they, if they can come across something, they will look into it. But yeah. as of right now, it's canceled. I I look at this cancellation and I go like the, the women's national team for Canada. I think they've played like five games in the last two years, which is garbage. Yeah. And yeah. granted, we're living in a pandemic. So whatever, but this is where the NHL needs to really sit there and go, okay, we need to do something here for the women's game because not looking at it nationally or internationally, as far as like uh, world championships are concerned, but you, you had the debacle that was the NWHL and their, their finals. They had to, like, they were in the middle of it. They had six teams bottled up in Lake Placid. I think it was. And canceled it because of COVID and then reopened it like half a month later. And it was just, it was just too jarring and it's a bad look. So seriously, and we said, we've said this before, the NHL needs to shit or get off the pot and start supporting women's game. And I think they should help them build a league that is sustainable. Yeah. Because this is, this can't work this way. If anything, they're only going to build their fan base. Right. Right. Like, that's the biggest thing. And I don't understand why the NHL doesn't see that as an opportunity. Yeah. Because how many, and maybe I'm being naive here, but how many times are you on Twitter or on Instagram, social media, whatever the case may be, and you see um, a female hockey player doing something cool out on the ice? Never. That's not a thing. Yeah. I see videos of, ladies playing basketball and doing crazy things. Like uh, the other day I found a video. There's a viral one right now where this little girl is playing like this little boy and takes him to school. And it's awesome. (laughs) It's awesome. I'll show it to you afterwards, Brad. It is awesome. And like, but you see that kind of stuff everywhere. The NBA is doing everything. Like I'm, I'm sure we'll see in an NBA commercial that video at some point. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you? 
Like, take that and run with it. It's only going to make your league look better. It makes the WNBA look better, women's basketball, women's sports. It's a viable thing. Let's not pretend that none of us here watched those female uh, gold medal games between Canada and the U.S. and enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, they were awesome. Well, and here's hoping that the city of Dallas can put something together like they were talking about. I don't know what they haven't got too deep into what type of format they'd want to use or what they even if it's going to happen. But at least somebody is talking about trying to give these girls some place to play some form of competitive hockey for the next while. Seriously. I know there, I think in Texas, they got that kind of wild COVID like, mindset, right? About them. But <laughs> the lack of they mindset. are also way further ahead on vaccination than we are up here. Yep. So by the time any tournament may happen, it may be a non-issue at that point. Exactly. So here's hoping that someone gets something going. If you market the game properly, fans will turn out in droves to watch it. You literally have 50% of the population. Yeah. Wanting to see women's athletics. Like, like stop. Like, women women will be interested in sports, and guys will jump on, too. Not the not your toxic shithead guys, but real hockey fans will jump on and watch these. Like, there are so many talented women hockey players that aren't playing hockey right now that should yeah, be. I guess, I guess the unfortunate part of it is NHL is a hard enough time promoting themselves half you're, the time. You're right. So, you're right. To try to add a second lead from the promoter, I don't know how they would even start to think about wrapping the brain around that but I, I, I agree i agree um do we want to do the interview with brandon parker now or do we want to do that after we talk some nhl whatever okay so yeah, roll the in yeah. so here's here's what we did we uh we we got in touch with brandon parker who is the calgary flames in-game tv host he works for the flames uh, and he's got a pretty little setup that he's got going on there. And we had a chance to talk with him about all things Flames. So here's that interview. Joining us now on the podcast, we've got Calgary Flames in-game TV host, Brendan Parker, joining me. Uh, Brendan, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Thanks Very for having me on. Good. Thank you for having uh, or for joining us. Uh, as like uh, I've got the video feed here, I can see in the background you're sitting in, at uh, the arena, which is a pretty sweet little setup you got back there. Poor Brad. Uh, our co-host on the show he can't be with us as he's a busy guy at work he's missing out because he's the huge flame fan and oh yeah uh, okay so he he doesn't get to see this so brad hot kiss my ass uh, <laughs> <laughs> um we'll uh we'll jump right into it uh let's talk about you being the in-game tv host talk to us a little bit about that how'd you get the gig what is it all about yeah, so uh, I think I've been here. It, time seems like it's in some sort of uh, time capsule right now, so it's hard to even really remember. But it was uh, 2018, so just this will be like my third season. Uh, I started kind of at the at the front end, actually the the year they went to China. So as they were in China playing preseason games, I was uh, talking and discussing and interviewing, and then eventually joining the team. So when they got back home, uh, it was my first. Uh, my my first gig over and then transition over so it's uh yeah it's been almost three years now and uh basically i mean it's evolved actually quite a bit even since we started but uh and covid obviously 100 percent different but it's For basically sure. like you know our kind of full setup in terms of the game and uh we obviously cater to fans when we have them in the house in-house but a full pre-game show live post-game show live and those are kind of the two main elements and then um 
you know, we started doing intermissions and actually had Matt stage in former flame and Maple Leaf join us full time this year as uh, as an analyst. So, you know, we've added tons of elements really, even since I've started and it, it's great. I mean, uh, kind of has, you know, like a network type feel and we have a great crew who, who produces our games, full broadcast department. And uh, it's a ton of fun. And obviously this year is unlike any year. Yeah. As you can see the camera, like yeah. normally we're in the bunker. So we're like in between the flames locker room and the visitors locker room. So right in the, uh, the event level, like hallway. And the funny thing is, is that for home games, I don't actually even watch the games in person. I watch them from a monitor generally speaking. And then this year we're up top on the concourse level. So uh, we're one of a handful of people who are actually seeing games in person this year. So the added perk, I suppose, but uh, it's been good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. No kidding. I guess it's a little, uh, a little more empty um, yeah, up big top time. anyway. Right. For sure. Yeah. It's a weird, it's still, even like now it's still a little strange where there's moments in games where you're like, Oh, that would have been, the crowd would have been going nuts right now. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> That's one of the, yeah, that's one of the questions I have for you. Like when, when the games are being played, cause like everybody that's watching the hockey games, right. We get the feed of the, yeah. uh, the fan noise piped in. Is it piped in through the, the television or is it piped in into the arena too? Like are the players yeah. hearing that or is it just dead quiet in there? No, it's piped into the arena. So really we actually have, I was going to see, take a look here. There originally, there's actually like a, a separate sound system. Yeah. And uh, for our, for our, it purposes we have two guys who are in charge of it so it's um we call them the crowd sweeteners so it's uh <laughs> so they're they're literally up on like the concourse level watching the game just like everybody else and they're like djs they have like hot key buttons so there's like a there's like a constant kind of like arena buzz yeah that goes through the whole thing right so that's kind of to make up for you know just a the the full game like that would either echo in so just kind of like a light banter like kind of buzz throughout the game and then they have the hot key. So if there's a chance, then you'll hear like the, Oh yeah. And, like, uh, and it kind of goes up and down and they're, they're basically, that's their gig the whole game. And, uh, and then when there's goals, obviously that, you know, they put the hit the crowd uh, eruption. And so it's a whole like full-time job that these guys are basically trying to make it sound as real as possible. But when the game's on, yeah, like it's players are hearing it. In fact, like in the early part, when they were trying to test it, we were doing like inner squad games here in uh, the saddle dome and using the full uh, game experience and um, you know, they're testing levels. And at one point, the first one, I think it was so loud guys couldn't even talk to each other on the bench. So they had to <laughs> tweak that. So yeah, yeah. Like it's a, it's, it's a, it's an experience trying to figure it all out. Right. The levels. Have, have any of the players talked about that with you and, and kind of gone over like, what, what is this noise? Why do we have this? Yeah. Or do they enjoy it? Is it? Does it add to them and give them kind of more, sense of normalcy maybe maybe in terms of like when the game is on it sounds a little bit normal but i think everybody still knows like it doesn't i don't it doesn't give them the same energy it certainly doesn't provide a spark by any means but maybe it i i think when the game is actually on which is for them by the way when it they, they've all kind of said when it feels the most normal where where it feels odd is coming out in the intro when normally you'd have the the crowd kind of it's ramping you loud, up. Yeah. You're coming out to nobody. The anthem is a little bit odd, right? There's nobody around. And then the other ones would be like in a game when somebody delivers a huge hit or moments that are kind of like momentum things, big yeah. saves. That's when you really miss like the, like the big gas yeah. and the, and the, and the momentum. So that's the only times I think, you know, you really sense it, but the, it's just like kind of filler. It's more filler, but it, it's kind of turned into, 
it's almost everybody's just sort of used to it now, but it's a weird um, art. It is a weird art. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, one of the questions that uh, my co-host Brad has for you is um, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, we were doing the podcast and we were talking, this was just after the Montreal Canadiens had fired Claude Julian as head coach. And um, Brad was talking about his side with uh, him being a huge flames fan, how maybe there was a coaching change needed to happen in Calgary that night after the podcast, it happened. Yeah. So he, he figures uh, Brad Treliving was, was listening to the podcast and, uh, <laughs> and took some advice from us <laughs> was wh- what was the, what was culture is the wrong word, but what was the outlook inside the dressing room uh, as best as you can explain when that coaching change did happen for the flames? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously a little bit different. I'm not as close as I, as I was in previous years. So, but, but, you know, you could kind of feel, you could kind of sense that the direction wasn't going the way that the team wanted, the way the players wanted. Um, When that stuff starts to take place, I think everybody, not that you expect it, but I think in the back of your head, you know, it's possible. Right. And when there's enough conversation, you know, around or on the outside, uh, you can block it out as much as you want or as, or try as you will, but it doesn't always work that way. You're going to, you know, eventually get some of that slipping through and you kind of hear that background noise. And, you know, I think it was, it was surprising in some ways in terms of just when it happened, I think it was coming off a loss. I think they beat Ottawa here seven, three. Yeah. And we got the news, like literally just as we were pulling out of the parking lot. So from that sense, I mean, it's always going to be a little surprising when it actually takes place, but if you look at it, you know, from an outside standpoint and just kind of circle back on it, you know, I guess it kind of, it does make sense just given what they were going through and, and the expectations of this team, it was kind of a, a, a hope to maybe spark things. And it did for a little while, but you know, they're still here in this position that they're in. So um, yeah, I think it, it certainly was, uh, eye-opening, I think, for everybody, and especially when you're bringing in the guy that you brought in. Yeah, um, as Milan Lucic said, you know, buckle up, kind of thing. So <laughs> that's that, uh, that's it. That kind of brings me to the next question: Is Daryl Sutter? Uh, why was he the right guy to bring in for this team right now? Yeah, I think I think part of it was, um, you know, obviously his his availability with. Uh, him being in, in Alberta and yeah. knowing that he's a guy that they've looked at in the past, uh, you know, they've had conversations and uh, maybe it wasn't the right timing for both teams or both sides at different points, whenever those conversations took place, um, you know, but, but he's a guy that no matter where he's been, he's had success. He's won two Stanley cups. He understands what needs to happen in order for a team to have success and, you know, I think you've heard some of that as we've gone on, just his post-game reactions when things have gone well, when things haven't gone well. You know, pace is a, one, of the, one of the things he keeps on emphasizing. That's something that they felt like they were missing earlier in the year. So, uh, and he's just, it, like, accountability is the big thing, right? Yeah. He doesn't let anyone off the hook. And, and that goes for reporters, right? Like, if you throw a... <laughs> If you throw a turd of a question at him, he's going to, he's going to stomp you out right away too. And, but, but that's what it's all about, right? Is it, you have to, you have to hold your own and you have to be accountable to your teammates, to the coaching staff and to yourself. And so that's, that's the biggest thing that we kind of took out of it was um, it was a guy that was going to kind of hold everybody accountable and make sure people were playing up to the best of their ability. Was this a culture change as far as uh, the Calgary flames are concerned, because you've got Sutter coming in and maybe now, with where they're sitting in the standings, whether they make the playoffs or not, the mm-hmm. off season is going to be a very interesting time for the flames. Does that yeah. 
does that kind of lead into the leadership of the team, the actual players? I mean, I suppose it's possible for sure. Um, you know, I don't know how long that that process takes. I mean, I think, you know, when you, when you start to go down that road, you're looking for something different, right? Uh, you can't, you can't keep on doing the same things and expect a different result. And, and I think, you know, that's certainly part of it is identifying what has to happen first and foremost. And, and for me, you know, at least you look at it in the way of, you know, whether they get in or not this year, it may, might not be, you know, the be all and end all. This could be about identifying. This could be about, you know, making sure you start to understand what's working, what's not in that locker room and the ability to make some of those changes that are necessary. So whether that's started yet or not, I, I think, you know, maybe it's more of the identification process and trying to figure out what the direction is, because you're right. I think, I think there, there will be some difficult decisions to make this off season. And, and uh, you know, that'll be up to the whole group to do. Do you feel like this is like you'd mentioned the fact that this could be uh, a little bit of a process for Sutter to figure out what's going on with this franchise, where to go in the future, maybe a retooling, uh, available or uh, a retooling opportunity for next year instead of a straight up rebuild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, every coach is going to have, you know, guys that they see in different roles or they, they might see the roster playing out in different ways. And, and no, that, you know, Daryl's certainly no different, right. He's going to have guys that he can rely on. And, and that's part of this process too, right? Like, you, you know, he's described it before too, when you're in the thick of it, it's one thing if you're watching mm -hmm. teams, which he obviously does from, from the farm and, you know, as he, was getting ready to take this job over, but it's a whole different thing when you're behind the bench and you're seeing it and you're interacting and you're with these guys. So, you know, that's certainly part of it too. It's just him understanding what he has. And, you know, I think for him, it, that's, that's exactly what it is right now. It's just, let's, let's figure out what we got. Let's obviously make the most of this and try and make a run into the playoffs. Um, but he's, as Brad tree living said, he's not going anywhere, right? Like this isn't just a one year, try to get us into the playoffs type thing. This is a more long-term you know, situations. So let's find out what his opinion is. And, and I would bet that he's going to have some say in, in uh, how it all runs, rolls out from here on out. Speaking of roster decisions, this past trade deadline come and gone flames were relatively quiet. I guess you could say Sam Bennett was the guy that they moved out. Um, I guess the mm -hmm. big piece um, when it comes to this off season, it's again, a totally different year because a COVID B expansion draft seattle yeah. um what's what's the what's the i guess flames game plan if you if you can speculate on it going into that because obviously there's going to be some pieces where like you said some tough decisions to make yeah. guys that might see availability into the draft yeah well and and you know part of it bennett certainly has to play a role in that too and and david riddick is the other one that they moved out at the deadline and He's in a, on an expiring contract. Bennett would have been an RFA, but you know I think you do pretty well in terms of getting uh, Emil Heineman and a second round pick, you know, virtually or essentially two second round picks for Sam Bennett, who's played pretty well in Florida. But you know he would have been one of those guys who would have been a decision to make in terms of keeping or or listing protecting that Seattle would have had a crack at. So now instead you've got two assets there. You don't have to worry about that, who they take, you know, I, that's, that's such an interesting dynamic because it's um, you know, obviously you're going to have to make some decisions on who you protect. The back end is a little bit interesting. You got young guys there that obviously you don't want to lose, uh, but you also have the captain, Mark Giordano, who's yeah. got some term left. And, um, but it's, it's all about right now to me, it's so much cap management, right? Like mm -hmm. it's, 
how much salary are you taking on in other places? How much can you afford to take on from each team? Um, do you want a ton of guys with term? Do you want guys with experience? I'm fascinated by the process because seeing what Vegas did obviously was a, uh, was a pretty good template. But yeah. teams, teams are definitely going to be a little bit more weary or leery of, um, you know, negotiating guys that they want to keep because we saw that was know, how crazy. well they made out. Yeah. And you know, I, I would say Seattle's probably not going to have that much of a luxury in terms of that, but you know, will they make some deals about maybe taking on some contracts, taking on some term in order to get maybe a different player that they want, or um, they're going to have some flexibility, but uh, without a doubt, it's, it's a fascinating off season. And it, and it, and it affects, it greatly affects what you do in terms of those trades or any, you know, major facelifts or even minor ones to your own roster. You have to make sure that you've got room to protect guys. You can't bring on, you know, contracts that you have to suddenly figure out a way to, to, uh, to protect, like Brad Tree Living said, it's like it's two calls, right? If you're trying to bring in a player who has term, you got to make that call to the trade you know, team you're trading with. And then you got to make a call to Seattle too, because you got to figure out, you know, what the price tag might be in order to keep that guy if you're already over your protected limit. It's yeah, it's such a it's such a nutty situation to be in, especially with these expansion drafts. Like you look back at the late 80s, early 90s with like San Jose and Anaheim and those teams did not have the options that they no. do now. Yeah. No, and and even just with the flat cap, uh, that yeah. adds a completely different wrinkle that they didn't expect. You know what, a year and a half ago, where you know you thought that maybe you had some room to spend some more money, and now it's not there either. So um, even just trying to get some guys resigned is going to be a challenge. Um, even look at Vancouver, right? With, yeah. Uh, two of their big guys coming up, and uh, they already have Demko resigned, but you know you still got Pedersen and cool. Hughes that you're going to have to sign and. And and protect all those guys. Obviously, you're going to, but who else is going to not be protected that you have term with? And those guys are not going to be cheap players to sign either. No. Yeah. Um, speaking of Vancouver, Tanev and Markstrom coming over from Vancouver onto the Flames. How impressed, how surprised were you with the way that they came in and played? Yeah, I, like I guess you know, in the in the case of Markstrom, especially, I think everybody kind of knew that he could be. Uh, you know, a, a top 10 elite goaltender and, and has been right. And so that's why you go out and get them. That's why you spend the money. So for him, you know, not necessarily surprising in terms of what, especially in the early part of the season, he gave this team, um, but a real good fit. Like maybe the one thing that stood out to me that you don't know, and, and you wouldn't really know until you see him in person is the work ethic, like the amount of work he puts in on the practice ice you know, especially when you go through a stretch, like late in the season, there's a few practice days, even we're in the middle of one right now. Um, you know, this guy's out there for, you know, close to an hour as a starting goaltender, just going through everything. Um, so I guess that's one thing you learn about. And then Chris Tanev, I think that one was a little bit maybe surprising because again, I don't know that you completely realize just how, how good some guys are until you see them in person yeah. on a nightly basis. And, you know, it can expose some of the flaws, but in this case, it's like you, as a defensive defenseman, you don't appreciate that until you watch it regularly. And you're like, man, this guy, like, he does not make a lot of mistakes. Like he, his puck placements and just passes sharp blocks, everything. He's just such a smart, steady, reliable defenseman. And, um, you know, the one thing it's like his point totals, you could actually see that coming up just because of the way, you know, he skates even and gets up in the rush, but a lot of times he, he facilitates, right. He kind of like allows Noah Hannafin to get in there. And, and now he's playing with Mark Giordano. So he's the one firing the shots, but God, he is, 
he's as steady as it gets. That's the kind of guy that you love to have on your back end. So those two pickups are huge for this team. I think, you know, this year and moving forward. That goes into, again, the draft because the Flames look like they have four top four defensemen, which mm-hmm. is a hard thing to come by in this day and age in the NHL. And, and like now, again, like you had mentioned, a guy like Giordano maybe becomes, um, what's the word? Uh, it, not expendable, but mm-hmm. at this kind of stage of his career, maybe those questions are asked when it comes to something like a draft. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think you always want to, you always want to have the next wave too. I mean, at the end of the day, he's um, you know, coming up on the end of this contract too. And he's obviously the leader. He's the captain of this hockey team and that's never going to change, but um, you know, he's still the one that carries the biggest minutes on this team. Right. And huge part of that back end. uh, But you still have to have those young guys who are pushing, who are competing, who are, you know, ready to take on more responsibility. Rasmus Anderson has done that at different times of his career. Um, you know, he started on the number one power play at the beginning of the year. That's kind of tapered back a little bit, but there's guys there um, slowly trying to chew, you know, some into some of those minutes. Noah Hannafin's been outstanding this year, um, and he's really taken another step. And then Yusuf Alamaki is another guy who's young, and he's still, he's still coming along. But you're right, you got to have them. you got to have young guys in this league now. And uh, they have to be ready to take on Connor Mackey's another interesting one. He hasn't played too much in the NHL this year. A couple of games uh, has spent the, you know, since Stockton started, he's been uh, there in the AHL for the rest of the season. And uh, they'll wrap up here in the next uh, five games in Winnipeg. And, you know, th- those are the, those are the guys you got to have. You got to have some young kids who are pushing entry level, cheaper contracts and uh, you know, ready to step in and play some big minutes. Is is that the strong point for the Flames? Their defense, like depth wise. Yeah, I think it's. I think there's some good stuff there for sure. I I, I think um, you know if you look at their entire roster, I think they're pretty, they're in pretty good shape in all areas. But you got to find you know some some more, a little bit more of it. Like their their center depth's pretty good right now with Elias Lindholm and Sean Monahan. Um, you probably are still looking for a better, you know, some more on the right side. I think they, they're a little bit weak in terms of just depth on the right side, right wing. Um, that's one area that they're probably looking at. But yeah, with, for, without a doubt, the, the back end and some of those young guys, you need guys who can skate too. That's the other thing, right? It's the way that this league goes now. You have to have puck movers, guys who can get it up and get it out of the zone, get it moving north, south. And um, yeah, that's kind of, and I think every team is looking for more and more. You can't have enough of those. Yeah, for sure. Style of play since Sutter's taken over. Um, he's he's widely known as being kind of a boring, kind of yeah. like grinded low out. Event. Yeah, low exactly. Event. Low event's the yeah. perfect like way to describe that. Um, for Flames fans, and obviously this year's, again, and last year, totally different because they aren't there. Mm-hmm. It's about wins. They've They've slowed down as far as what's going on this season. How big of an impact does that have going into the offseason? Because now with Sutter at the helm, he's going to want to bring in those guys that can kind of play that style of game, but also be impactful at the same time. Where where do they look when it comes to free agency or, or on the trade deadline or, or trade, I guess, front? Trade market. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of guys – it's not as simple as, uh, as looking at it, like, you know, dump and chase style either. That's the other thing is that, you know, you can look at, you know, a guy like Andrew Mangiapane, who's not a real big guy. There's no real prototypical player. I think it's just that the fact that you have to be harder on pucks, like you have to have guys who get in there. Right. And Andrew Mangiapane is like the perfect example of someone who, you know, 
doesn't necessarily fit that prototypical mold of somebody who'd be that, that style of player. Cause he's not that big, but he is hard on pucks and he goes in there nose first every time digs them out. And that's what you need. I think is guys. And, and part of it too, is also knowing when to do it and where to do it. Right. Like it's one thing if you're just going to flip it in every single time, but if you don't have a you know, group that's coming up together, who's going to go, who's going to get it? Because if you chip it in and you don't have anyone with you, it doesn't matter how pointless. good you are pointless. It's coming right back out. Right. So you have to know where you're putting it in and, and, and making sure that you're coming out as a group. That's been the biggest thing that he's been emphasizing is, is partially like, let's get the D active. Let's get them up. We got to come through as the group. And if you are chipping it in, where's your support? Where's that puck support coming? Um, and when they're doing it well and they get in on the four check, like Milan Lucic obviously is one of the best when it comes to that prying guys off of pucks and, and getting some monster chances. He is a monster. And when he hits, you know it, you know yeah. it. Uh, it's fun to watch actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I don't know that there necessarily is prototypical guys necessarily, but you got to have guys who are willing to, um, to get in there, get in there on the four check and just get, get after it. Um, do you expect that this core will be kind of kept in in Calgary or do you expect to see some movement when the season ends and free agency kind of opens up and maybe they ex- expose some guys? Yeah, it's hard. To, it's hard to know for sure. I mean, I think it's been kind of talked about for a couple years now about changing, changing the core up. I think it's fair to say that they're, they're looking at making changes one way or another, how much, that, that's the tough part. That's what you say. And, and it's not as easy as like making changes just to make changes either. Right. You have to still do it with the idea of getting better in mind yeah. and how many teams are in positions to do it. Like you talked about, there's so many different things at play that even if you wanted to make, you know, more changes or bigger changes, you might not even have the opportunity to do it because you still, you can't give things away for free. So you know, I, I do expect some changes, but how deep it gets into the core, I don't know. I still believe in a lot of the the pieces that are here, the main pieces. I think it's just this has been a tough year, without a doubt. Um, but how much of that is is you know we've we brought this up before, and you don't want to make excuses because everybody's going through the same things. But right. when you're when you're strapped in and you're you know restricted in terms of what you can do, guys can't go out for dinners and all those things. Like when you when it starts getting tough it's just like everybody else. Like you, it's, it feels harder to get out of that. Right. There's no release. There's no release. That's hard. Like, where are you going to figure that all out to get away from it? You're, you're just in it all the time. And again, it's not an excuse, but it's just the reality of what these guys are going through when you're winning. It's, it's fine. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you ride the, the momentum, you're happy, you're coming to the rink, but when it starts to get like into a grind, it's tougher. So, you know, that's, that's going to be where the management group has to really evaluate things on a, on a wider scale. It's not just this year. It's, you know, who do we want to strap up with in the years going forward? I do not, I do not envy the uh, management of any sports team going yeah. through COVID right now. Cause it's such a crazy time. And even no like kidding. seeing those coaching changes, you sit there and you go like, I'm a, I'm a big Montreal Canadiens fan and I watch everything that's going on with them. I, and I've talked about it. They're they're a team that is essentially almost half brand new yeah, this yeah. season, and they're not performing the way the fans expect. And I'll, I'll be I'll be the first to say when we were doing our uh, preseason kind of like look at all the teams, I had Calgary pegged as the number one team in the North this year. Yep. And with them not being that way, coming in at uh, I guess the fifth right now, 
it's I don't look at it as a disappointment because so many things have changed with the way that the game is being played right now, the way that travel is and like you mentioned, guys aren't able to get out for meals. They can't they can't really hang out and yeah. The the bond is there for these teammates, obviously, because they've been together, but the camaraderie isn't as much as what it has been in the past. No, for sure. It's that's that's the element where everyone just goes back to the hotel room, you're a little bit more secluded. And all you do is you, you stew on it, right? You sit yep. and you maybe play some video games or something, but it's not the same as what it is, what it once was. And for sure, like when you look at on paper, I think I was of the same mindset. I thought for sure a playoff team, right? Had them near the top of the division and hasn't worked out that way, but that's, that's sports too. It doesn't always go that way. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of what takes place. And the way, I mean, Montreal hasn't, hasn't uh pulled away yet nope. so that's the interesting thing about this that would never happen in another year you know these head-to-head matchups kind of change everything it's like when you think that you're out those points four point games as they say that suddenly turns turns things around quickly if you can somehow find a way to win three in a row it's like flips the whole thing over vancouver the perfect example of that i think they're sitting at 39 games played so far because of their yeah. covid time off they're not out of this thing just yet and no this these last what is it we got about 12 15 games left in the season it's gonna be a fun ride for the north division for sure no doubt about it no doubt uh, about it. constant rumors circulating everywhere social media media uh, about Johnny Goudreau having no interest staying in Calgary. I don't know if you can really talk to it as much, but how much of a distraction do you think that that's kind of playing on his game? Because there is a times he looks like one of the top five players in the world. And then there's a times where he doesn't seem like he's engaged at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of been part of the whole team's consistency struggles, but in terms of the actual, you know, off season or the rumors, I mean, I think that's been around, Forever. circulating for for a while with him yeah and the one thing the one thing about johnny and you know i i know him a little bit obviously but um you know not to the same extent as his teammates and everything but i mean everything that we've we've heard and we've talked to from the man himself is that he he loves the city of calgary i mean he's his family comes up here in a normal year and visits all the time and and they like the organization um you know love the spot that they're in the time they've had here obviously I think that I think that rumors kind of just generate naturally because of where he's from, right? It's all it's easy to speculate because he is so close with his family. They're from that Jersey area or kind of just outside of Philly, Salem, New Jersey. Um, you know, that's where a lot of that's come from. It's never come from him. You know, that's the one thing that, you know, you got to caution is that every time these things have come up, they've never come out of his mouth. And in fact, the, the time they lost out of the uh, bubble playoffs, it was, you know, maybe the first time we heard him speak you know, directly to those, those rumors. And, and it was just that it was, it was rumors and the guy loves to play in Calgary, loves, loves the fans here. Um, city's treated him well and he's treated the city well. And that's kind of the only thing you can kind of say to it right now is that rumors will, they'll, they'll spike at different times based on what's going on on the ice or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, he's, he's played well for this team um, for a long time. And, uh, he's still obviously got some contract left, so that's kind of how it is. Do you travel with the team right now? No, or I'm you're not. just strictly at home? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like in a normal year, I would for sure. Uh, but this this year, uh, limitations and uh, travel restrictions don't allow for it. So, yeah, not this year. 
you'd mentioned uh, before we got started here that uh, you just finished up your podcast. You want to talk a little bit about that? When, when yeah, did sure. that start and how did that go? Yeah, we've been doing it for a couple of years now. It's called the Firestarter Podcast. And uh, it's, you know, everywhere you get your podcast, but it's uh, myself and Ryan Dietrich. Uh, who's uh, our our web guru? He is our everything guy. He's uh, he knows everything about uh, TV, uh, podcasting, uh, and writing. So he obviously we work for the website, and uh, we've been doing that now for a couple of years. And, and it's kind of it's great. I mean, we obviously are doing it virtually, just like you and I are doing this. Uh, still, given the circumstances, but we get you know quite a bit of access from the team and uh, able to sit down and have some extended long form interviews with players and uh there's some good ones going back the last uh well just this season i think we're 20 29 20 29 episodes in this year so there's like lots of great content uh content from guys that we you know you get a, a an extended conversation with players maybe touch on some topics you wouldn't normally do um which is always a lot of fun so uh we just finished up our milan luch each 1000th game podcast uh so that was outstanding spent about 20 minutes with uh luch and uh, and actually one of his good buddies is, uh, one of his first, uh, real close teammates in Sean Thornton, who is outstanding, gave us some insight on, uh, on big Luch when he first arrived in the NHL and some of the stories, uh, I believe it was uh, mutant is what he said when he first saw <laughs> 19 right. year old Milan Luch coming into the NHL is like, who's this mutant. So, uh, <laughs> man, he, and, and Lucic is awesome. Like he's just some of the insight and uh, it's just been fun watching this season to be kind of part or at least around it. Uh, when a guy celebrates a silver stick uh, ceremony, that's, it's pretty cool. So that was, uh, that was the most recent pod that went up last week. Um, any big plans as far as what's going to be happening in the off season for you with the flames or anything like that, as far as getting guests in, do you look at getting uh, maybe some of the legends in onto the podcast? Yeah. I mean, we kind of off season, we kind of for sure take the opportunity to kind of go away from hockey a little bit or dive into some other topics, which is kind of always fun uh, podcast wise. And then, I mean, we're in a different position here in terms of our organization that we have some other teams. So the hitmen are playing right now. We're obviously focused on flames, but, um, Sam Peters are another part of this organization when, and if we get that going back, I know some news uh, today that they've delayed the season until August or early part of August. So hopefully that's as far as it goes and they can still play that schedule starting in August because, you know, I'm a big CFL fan and, uh, you know, you're around Winnipeg, so I'm sure you got, uh, the blue bombers all around you there, but, yeah, we're, um, we're getting to the point of, uh, three, three straight years as uh, the CFL yeah. champions. It's Defending champs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. It's a nice little run you got there. It is too bad. Yeah. We've only played like what? 21 games in the last three years, but whatever. For sure. Yeah. Semantics, right? A small yeah. detail. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, I want to thank you, Brendan, for jumping on the podcast with us, man. This has been awesome, and I uh, can't wait to see what comes out of uh, not only the Firestarter podcast, but uh, the rest of the season with the Flames and with you on uh, Flames TV. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it, and uh, all the best. Thanks for having me on. Brad, <laughs> I love that you weren't there for this. <laughs> what did you don't. think of this interview? What did you what'd you like about what Brendan had to say? First of all, I'm really bummed that I missed it. I would have loved yeah. to have talked to him, but work was it, – it, it's crazy busy. Eh, but anyway, get paid for this. Yeah, exactly. Sponsors, if you want to pay for yeah. it, pay for us. Yeah, we're each looking for six-figure uh, salaries, so let's make it happen. <laughs> I just um, want to live. That's it, baby. Yeah, that's all I want. <laughs> I was, I was most interested to hear about uh, like the in-game experience. Yeah. In these COVID times, see, I, I wasn't completely sure. I thought that uh, Sportsnet would pipe the. Uh, 
like fan noise in themselves. That's what I thought too. And I didn't so much think that the players could hear at the arena. I thought it was just dead silence and they're just, uh, you know, they can hear everything they say, no crowd noise to deal with. And yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was certainly pretty cool. And even just, uh, uh, you know, I like he the- maybe talked a little bit more about the players than, than I, I thought he might've. Yeah. He and got really he, deep into yeah, it, which I thought was great sure. too, because we get yeah. another, another look at players that we know wouldn't normally this year because of everything COVID, right? Because all the interviews that are happening are all zoom type stuff, right? Like For we don't sure. have reporters there, but Brandon Parker yeah. is a guy that is doing his stuff from the arena. Uh, he's got his podcast on, which yeah. he does from the arena. And then, yeah, like it's a, a really sweet situation that he's got. Um, what I, I like I, the insight. I was going to say insight with the uh, Seattle draft. Yes. Kind of goes into that a bit as well. And, you know, there's different scenarios at play and, you know, it was one of the questions you asked there kind of, and he even talked about earlier, you know, the blue line depth and, you know, you have people of different uh, contract amounts and stages of the career and what the heck do you do? It's going to be so, an interesting yeah. off season for all of these teams this year. I can't wait to see what that looks like. I I'm interested to see what Seattle is going to do, because I don't think they're going to have the setup that Vegas had in teams, regards to yeah. uh, making you know, deals. A little more prior to the pandemic. I would have agreed with you guys, but with the cap going flat, I think that may have changed the minds with some of the G- the GMs were there and a little bit more of a mindset of if I need to, you know, give myself a little relief. This is my chance to push the contract away, even though I may not want this player to leave. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. The problem with that though, is that some of these bigger contracts still have term on them. Yeah. And oh, that's absolutely. not going to, that's not going to be an attractive get for Seattle. Well, look like at this. Yeah. They're what year four in the NHL, and their Three? cap situation is and, horrendous. Yeah, granted, they have one of the top teams in five league. five teams in the NHL for sure, yeah. Yeah. but they do have a horrendous cap situation. They're gonna, they're gonna, it's gonna be like this right off the edge for them when that cap situation busts, because yeah, a lot of teams well, aren't gonna, a lot of teams aren't gonna be willing to bail them out. But they also I have an expensive that, goalie though. coming off the books. I was just yes. going to say, Flurry is not there after this year, right? Yep. So that opens up what's Flurry seven million, six, seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in that range, so that can get you a couple. They're in cap hell for this year and this year only. Oh, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm excited for, sure. for it for sure. Uh, moving into some NHL talk, that was a tough one for you the other day. Uh, Montreal beating Calgary last Friday. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then and then but uh, it, that wasn't even the worst one. It was uh, the Ottawa Ed, one. Edmonton did us a solid and beat uh, beat you guys. Yep. And then we had Ottawa, who is we are Ottawa's free bingo square. Apparently, it, we are too. It's crazy. Yeah. And that brings me into my next segment as well. If Vancouver catches Ooh. Montreal. And don't write them off. They got They're four. coming. They got four, their next four against the Sens. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> here's the thing. At the end of the day, if Montreal doesn't make it, 
you're going to look back on those Ottawa games and think what a missed opportunity. Oh, because every, at the start of the year, everyone looked at Ottawa as that's our bingo square. And like, of course, yeah, they're going to win some games, but Ottawa was just supposed to get pumped this year. Yeah. And th- they're, they're last for a reason, but they're competitive. Maybe yeah. beating some teams. Yeah. And this, team is kind of, this is kind of what the prognosticators out there were saying at the beginning of the year. It's, this division will come down to who makes their hay against the Senators and who doesn't. And you yeah. can kind of see in the Sandys right now, Leafs and Jets, bad good luck against the Sens. That's where they sit on top of the division. And some of these yeah. teams that are chasing right now, the Sens have had some pretty good luck against them. So I think, I think the biggest thing that you have to look at as a Habs fan is the fact that we, we took all the games that we needed from Vancouver. Uh, these next three games against Calgary – is pretty much Calgary season. Yeah, big time. Do you agree? Like, oh, yeah. I think if Montreal wins one of these games, that's it. It's yeah. a tough sell. Oh, yeah, with, yeah, it is, yeah. With yeah. Vancouver, they have, I think they have five games at hand on Montreal. Yeah. And they're so 10 points back. 10 points clear, yeah. So they, like, Vancouver's situation is, it's a good one for them to be in, all things considered, but they're going to have to run the table. They they have to do well. Like they're they're they do will you, have to win eighty five percent of their well, games. It's do like you, you just said there, Damon. It's this is a big week for both those teams, yeah. big time. If your Habs all of a sudden have problems with the Flames and Vancouver gets three out of four versus the Senators, yep. All of a sudden, all it's of a sudden different we're situation. at two four point race again, and yep. We're do play, they we play each race. other? Montreal Calgary play the no. next three. Mo- Montreal Vancouver. Do they no, play Montreal, each other? Montreal Montreal won that. They're series. done. They're done. Okay, okay. So all of those points are already taken. Yeah. And Montreal ten, dominated. 10 points. 10 points with like, how seriously. many games? 56 this year? Is that how many games? 56 games. So I think they have 16 uh, games remaining. The problem yeah, Vancouver is going to have, I think, is they're playing four or five games every week for the, yeah, until the end of the season. And they're out, of the, they're out of their COVID restrictions right now and playing well. They look fresh. They look good on the ice. Yeah. But I have a hard time believing in two weeks that team is still going to have legs underneath yeah. them. They're going like to run gonna, out they, of runway. They're seriously need. They need to go like twelve, two and well, two. They have whatever to, it is. Like they have to have eighty percent points hockey. out of these early games if they yep. can. So I guess I think down the stretch is going to get tough for them. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, it'd be interesting. I, let's say Damon, if Calgary sweeps Montreal for those last three. All of a sudden, we're two points back, and you have a game in hand. It's it's, <laughs> it's be, a, yeah. That's why I say it, but like, this series. We need is all it. three. You have to all, yeah. Like you have to what, sweep it. What I was reading was Montreal needed to play 500 hockey, and Calgary needed to go something like nine, one and something, yeah. which is a tough sell. Um, I and as a Habs fan, I'm not happy to hear that. Yeah, because but, I don't want to be playing 500 hockey. But yeah. we it, it's it's what you guys have a tough schedule too. Yeah, we do. Lots of Toronto. However, we played well against Edmonton, and we're yeah. we're competitive against Toronto. Okay. Yeah. So Winnipeg's been your kind of Winnipeg has been. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle Connor's been absolutely amazing versus that. He, he has torched us. Torched yeah. us. So like that's I think we only have one left against Winnipeg, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, we have. I I was going to say against. The rest we, of the north, Calgary is probably about 500 hockey, 
and against Ottawa, we're like two and five. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Montreal is yeah, three, I, three, yeah. and two against Ottawa. I just okay. remember seeing somebody on my Twitter line. You probably put it out there, Damon, but somebody asked the question as a Habs fan: Who would you rather play, Toronto or Winnipeg? Oh, and Toronto, one hundred percent. Yeah, it was very much overwhelming. We want to play Toronto. Winnipeg's not good for us. It's not even. It's not even that Winnipeg's not good for us. I think we match like like. Team wise, I think we match fine against Winnipeg. Uh, I will give Winnipeg the goaltending edge, unless Carey Price finds his form. That remains to be seen. He's out on concussion protocol this week. Um, but the thing is, the Winnipeg plays hard, and sixty minutes. They're they're second in the division for a reason, because they play a tough tough game. Montreal, for whatever reason shies away from that unless they're playing that game against Toronto or against Vancouver or against Edmonton. They don't play it against Calgary and they don't play it against Ottawa. It's, it's so weird. So I, it, for sure, we, if we get a first round matchup against Toronto, we're happy to see that. And I, Toronto obviously has the horses. Yeah, as far as offense right. goes, but I think their defense is still suspect. And oh man, their goaltending has been exposed. <laughs> so is is Anderson done for the year? I I think Toronto comes down to that. They made what I heard Duba say is the adding Riddick at the deadline was to give Anderson all the time, time he needs. And he, but he said even if that means he's not back this year, yeah. so. Yeah. It's up in arms. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Which is crazy. Speaking um, about long-term injuries, uh, Jager, talk to Jonathan yeah. Taves. Yeah. yeah. Looks he, like he's there, not coming back this year. <laughs> he's not coming back this year, and there's no guarantees for next year. But if whatever is ailing him keeps on the trajectory that it's on right now, he should be back for next year was the report. So. Wow. Still no, still no word on what it is. It's got to be, it's not a, I got to think it's not a physical injury. This is something, this is an illness of some sort that he's dealing with. But beyond that, I don't want to speculate on anyone's health. So let's not speculate on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He has some rumor mill stuff or what? A little bit. (laughs) I do not have anything else, boys. You got anything else you want to talk about tonight? Oh, I got something for you, boys. Oh, God, yes. Oh, wait. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. I forgot about this. So, <laughs> Kev brings out the book. Yeah. I. Uh, Kev, wrote, Kev wrote a short book uh, earlier this week. I wrote a novel. <laughs> uh, NHL, first off. This is what happens when you don't have games on late on a Saturday evening. Oh, it allows boy. people's interests to start drifting into other places. And <laughs> Saturday night, I don't know how busy you guys were on social <laughs> media, but there was a certain boxing card out there that was making all sorts of noise. I'm talking about the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren thriller yeah. fight club. Card. Correct. Um, I have not seen any of the initial ones. This is the fourth one they've done. This is the first time I've seen one. And I have never been so dumbfounded about an event that I watched in my life. There are some things that they do that the boxing world really needs to take a really good look at and start to adapt into their format. There are some things that they're awesome. Like musically, they had the Black Keys kick that show off and they did like a 15 minute set and they 
fucking rocked. Like, yeah. awesome. They had yeah. Snoop Dogg out there. Yeah. They had Justin Bieber. They had uh, Saiti. I'm sorry. I, this is where I get a little old and not quite hip enough, but she's a female R&B artist under Snoop's label. There were strippers. That, <laughs> it was one of the strangest uh, things I have ever seen in my life. Um, you have a cast, a broadcasting team. It's Ray Flores, so I don't know if you know him that yep. well. Mario Lopez, so we got oh Slater. Yeah. We got Al Bernstein, who I just feel absolutely horrible from because here's a guy who has called some of the biggest fights in boxing history, and he is sitting here trying to justify <laughs> what he is seeing in front of him. <laughs> crime face. Uh, again, I'm not quite cool and hip enough to know too much about crime face. I've That's seen him before, funny. but and then they have Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. What? Now okay, before they, you continue, hold on, hold yes. on. We have to we have to preface this by saying that the WBA boxing is so archaic in how they run shows. It is literally like if you go and see a world-class boxing match today in Vegas, it's the same show that you saw back in 1955. Like it hasn't changed. There's been no adaption to make it entertaining, right? They're solely relying on the sweet science, yeah. which and there I'm, is I'm not no, a huge there, fan of boxing, but when you get two world-class boxers together, I, I'm I'm down. I can dig it. And here's the thing. There's no world-class boxing on this card. Oh, no, there there's is, not. There is zero. Um, Jake Paul was the draw. We started this night off with this intro, and this literally <laughs> everything you need to know about this show. It's Snoop Dogg walks into an office and he starts talking to somebody who has their back to him in this big chair. It's kind of like the Inspector Gadget, Dr. Claw thing, right? And this person is trying to hire Snoop Dogg to come work for Triller. I love the fucking reference. And finally, he's like, he, this guy slips Snoop like this piece of paper with his offer and Snoop's like, well, I just can't trust anybody who I can't see their face and you got to turn around, dog, you know, and all this stuff. And so the chair turns around. It's fucking Steve Urkel. <laughs> and Steve Urkel decides to pull out a strain of his own personal weed called That's Purple right. Urkel. That's right. And get Snoop right screwed up. So High right fuck. there, that does not happen. I'm sorry. Snoop does not take one hit off of a, off of a pipe and all of a sudden he's on an acid chip. So I don't know what type, what Purple Urkel was had in him, but... This is what else I'm going to talk about. We have this cast of five. We have Snoop Dogg, who is just wandering around the arena all night. <laughs> and what they did is they awarded 100 people tickets to the show. So I don't know how they filled it, how they chose those 100 people, but they let 100 people in there. So it was a very intimate, very cool crowd. And I'm pretty sure every single person that's in that arena got to smoke a joke. I was going to say, Snoop Purple Urkel. Point. Like, Let's go, baby. Purple Urkel. But here's the thing. This broadcast team, I've never seen so many drunk, stoned, high broadcasters <laughs> in my life in one place. Like, you'll see it occasionally. It's like, I could tell that guy smoked something before he went on air, you know? Yeah. But there was no hiding it with this. Oh. At one point, they brought Oscar De La Hoya out. They dipped him in all the drugs before he took the broadcast stand. <laughs> like, he was such a mess that he could, all he could do is he was just standing there screaming. I love Mike Tyson. I love Mike Tyson. And just <laughs> on and on and on. He just would not stop. It was, but 
so we get through a Black Keys uh, performance and we go to this first fight and it's Raycon. So if you know the rag, the rag, ragateurist, I think it's the proper term for it. Yeah. Raycon. Now he got paid $80,000 for this fight and he's fighting a guy named Joe Fournier. Joe Fournier is a billionaire. This fight this is, is real. Set, this, this is, is real. real. <laughs> These is guys are up. fighting because they trained at the same gym and went out one night. And Joe Fournier cock-blocked Raycon on a woman. So that is why this fight is happening. The fight goes two rounds. After the second round, Raycon says, I've had enough. I cannot handle anymore. He throws in the towel. Oh Here's the kicker. God. Raycon did not even attempt to throw up one punch in the entire two rounds. Oh he just God. stood there and danced around him and let this, let this billionaire kind of pummel him. And so that's your first fight. And you're watching this. And you're th- I'm, the first thing I'm thinking is like, wow, I'm glad the Black Keys are really good because <laughs> that fight was not worth it. I will also point out, uh, I did not, I may or may not have watched this on a legal feed. So the recording <laughs> I had, uh, they had removed the musical acts probably for, because those would probably get flagged immediately, I'm guessing. Sure. So I had to kind of piece in where these artists were coming, but. We all know um, what that's like here at the High and Wide podcast. Katie Perry, Pete yeah, Davidson. Yeah, exactly. Pete Davidson is doing the is doing like the behind the scenes, like back, you know, doing locker room inter- interviews. He's he the no worst. Biz- he has no business being no. in the like. These aren't. I don't want to call these guys professional athletes. Yeah, some of them are. There's a couple of actual boxes in there, so I won't take it totally away from them. But no, he, this guy. Pete Davidson can't get through a sentence without. Forgetting where he is. So having him do interviews seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it was absolutely unbelievable. He gets in the locker room with Jake Paul. And by the end of it, he's asking for his agent. He's like, where's my agent? I need to get out of here. Like it was. So we get through all this. We have a couple more. Like they, they were very ha- heavy on like the promos. Like there was a lot of dead. I wouldn't say quite dead air because. This is early every- WCW. Everyone was high as a kite, and it was definitely entertaining on those aspects. Uh, all of a sudden, Snoop and AJ or Slater are yeah. hanging out with a guy called Cousin Earl Stevens. <laughs> I have no idea who this guy is. I'm guessing he's related to the music industry somehow, because that's that's what Triller is, right? Like it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. it's a downloadable app, it's like Slacker Radio, right? Yeah. Um, and all this is is just the three of them standing there with just. 30 bottles of boost in the background and Snoop's just there rolling up joints. Like <laughs> it is, I've never seen anything like this. They did a segment where all of a sudden they're, they're having a contest to see who can eat the most, put the most Cheetos on a slice of pizza and eat them. Like you're seeing things on here. Like that. You just, you don't you pay believe. money for. Yeah. I just like, I don't know how anyone felt good paying $50 for this. Although <laughs> if you do enjoy the, the you know, the train wreck that you can't look away from, you got your $50 worth yeah. so out of this yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> oh, it's great. Can we, let's, the, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's get to the Jake Paul match because um, NFTs, they're all yes. over that. They are selling NFTs like before they even are, like the fights are even happening. So they keep going and going. Now there's, I'll touch on two other things or a couple other things quickly here because I know I'm going on. You get about a half hour further at this card, and all of a sudden, Ric Flair is there. Yeah, yeah, that's and now right. Ric Flair wow. was definitely hanging around with Oscar De La Hoya, big time. Like, holy, like the woos that were coming out of him were 
like it was nonstop. <laughs> now, Ric Flair isn't there to watch a fight or broadcast. Ric Flair's he there is for Ric Flair. No, Ric Flair is there to officiate a slap boxing match. And you got these two massive guys who are just standing there, just unloading on each other, and Flair is just woo! woo with every <laughs> slap that is on it is. If you if you don't check out anything from this card, you go find Ric Flair. That is Flair in all his glory. Like that guy is he wow. lives up to the moniker of the limousine ride and jet flying, you know, jet, whatever, right? Like, Kiss stealing, unbelievable. wheeling, dealing. Woo! Um, <laughs> we, get get one, we get to the one fight where there's actually two boxers in the ring. And this was, I couldn't believe what I'd seen here. First guy throws it's getting dominated by the favorite. Like it wasn't, it wasn't overly close, but you get into the second round and all of a sudden guy throws a body shot. And all of a sudden this red caught Raycon guy, red caught Cack, I think it's how you pronounce Ivan red Cack. He takes a shot in the ribs and the ref thought it was low blow. And the fighter goes down. Like he's been shot. Like you we're talking, this is coming straight out of the soccer world. They show the replay. And it's not even remotely close. Like, there is no contact. But for five minutes, this guy is on the ground. Like, he just got kicked in the nuts. It's (laughs) to the point where Snoop Dogg gets takes his headset off, and he's yelling at the boxer in the ring, like, calling him a pussy, get your ass up. (laughs) He is straight out calling this guy out. The guy was not giving up on the cell job. (laughs) <laughs> they had to get us, they had to bring the stretcher out. Oh my god, and stretcher this guy out of the arena. And he got paid three hundred thousand dollars for it. What? Wow, <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. So, where do we sign up for Trilla? I want to fight Brad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want money, Brad. Yeah. You don't have to hit me, hey. I don't have to hit you. I'll go down even, I don't care. Let's get a payday out of it. And this. we won't even do it for 300 grand. No, we'll you give us for... you give us five grand, and we'll do 300. it. 300, yeah, 300. Yeah. And then, <laughs> So they bring Michael Buffer out because what good boxing event doesn't need Michael Buffer doing yeah. the main event, right? right? So, and to be honest, Michael Buffer was more interested in smoking weed with soup than he was. Like, <laughs> as soon as he was introduced, he didn't walk to the ring. He walked over to the broadcast team and started talking to them. Like, yeah, no, I don't think he had much interest at all, right? But Zero main respect. event, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. Now, Ben Askren, he's he not has- a boxer. He's not a boxer. He he's is a professional MMA fighter yep. with a record of 21 and 2. Yep. He's semi retired, as retired as you can be without really being retired in the MMA game, I guess, with how you say that. Correct. He's uh, suffered a couple really rough losses in his last couple of fights. So he comes in here and he's getting paid good money. He's getting paid a half million dollars. But the first thing you can tell is he's fat. Yeah. If you watch MMA, if you've watched him before, you know he is not taking this seriously whatsoever. Right. I'm not saying he wasn't trying, but I'm just saying there was no effort put into it. No crap coming in, yeah. Yes. Um, on the other hand, Jake Paul, you can say whatever you want about the guy. He's in he this is, for the long he's he he's, is taking this seriously and he understands there's a lot of money to be made this in this. Yeah. So he's not screwing around. I I'm not into boxing enough he to really it. be able to critique how he is as a boxer if you want to call him that he's only fighting celebrities so i i hesitate calling him a boxer yet but he lands a big shot on oh, wait wait wait, wait, wait. you're fight. way you're way too far into this 
Jake Paul brought a fucking robot. Oh, I'm out sorry. To... I missed the robot. How did I miss the robot? <laughs> brought a robot nice. out with him. I thought this was like CGI'd into this thing. Nope. That's yep. Yeah, nope. Is a fucking That's his robot. Like, like what the fuck? <laughs> and this thing was huge. And it, I, I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it is all show. But Askren didn't take it seriously. Paul did. And Paul lands a good right hand, and he put Askren down. Now, did he actually land that punch? Because yep. I've seen oh, yeah. replays of it, and it does not look like it's as serious as it is. Because he knocks it's right it on the, the button, though. It is right on. It but is Askren's right on. Gets the back spot. up right away. But Askren also twi- trips. That's where the controversy comes, and it's the. Here's my thing. I don't think he for, cares. He made for a gong right. show event like this yeah maybe the referee should just let him keep fighting because yeah. let's face it there was no this was not uh like you said this was not a wba boxing event no. this was this was a big money gambling event was what this was yes and maybe the referee should have let it go but that being said there was tons of money being placed on it so i guess they do have to honor rules but when Astros he got up care either but when he got up at, at eight he did stumble and the referee made that decision at that point that yep. he didn't have his feet under him. And I have heard people who are much more educated in the boxing game saying that, no, the ref did make the right call there. Like that, that should have, would have been stopped in any other fight. So I won't argue the, won't argue the end of it. But when I come out of this, the argument I'm seeing is it's time for Jake Paul to fight a real fight. Yes. No. I agree. I agree no. with you. I think, I think, I think there's two ways that you can look at it. Yes. It is time for Jake Paul to fight a real fighter because he talks a strong game. He talks shit all the time, all this kind of stuff. So maybe it's time for him to fight a real boxer. But you going, no, I agree. He fights a real boxer, he's going to fucking die. He has everything to lose and nothing to gain in that situation. Right. He made, when he fought, uh, I'm sorry, I'm missing the basketball player. Nate Robinson. He cleared $10 million. Yes. He made over fifteen. On this last card. He doesn't need to fight a so real boxer why to make money. in the world does he need to go fight anyone with any sort of real boxing background right now? If he, Jake... If, if you paid attention to social media after the fight, there was no shortage of celebrities and former athletes who were calling this guy up for the next fight, including Chris Jericho. Yep. Yep. So... Ah. So, his brother, Logan Paul... Yes. He just it's, got booked with Mayweather. He is fighting Mayweather. So... Are they both the amateur boxers then? Has Logan fought anyone? Amateur or? boxing is too strong a word. It might yeah. be. They're both trained in boxing, I guess, is the way of yeah. Yeah. way of putting it. Uh, so Jake's the bigger star. My understanding is Logan is probably... Like, Logan did the wrestling thing throughout high school and maybe has a little more of the combat athletics kind of side to him. But... I'm not going to take anything away from what Jake Paul is doing. Like he's taking it seriously. He's yep. trying and he's making major points. Like, and he can fight a real boxer when the pay-per-view buys start dropping, when DraftKings isn't announcing that it was the most bet on uh, combat card of the year. Which is when crazy. things like that stop happening, then that's when he starts to look at finding a real boxer to fight. Yep. That's where he you know finds the Mayweather or the McGregor even, I think, would yep. be a, a fight that he'd put himself in danger for. But until then, you just keep cashing in 15, 20 million dollar checks because they're Seriously. only gonna get bigger with the social media traffic this event had this past last weekend. 
the next one's going to be huge. Yep. I agree. I agree. But That's hilarious. Like I said, Dude totally, brought a fucking robot to the match. I've never, <laughs> ever seen anything like this before. But like I said, World of Boxing, take note of the things like the live music aspect of it and certain other aspects. Because th- you can say whatever you want about the fighting. This show was hip and cool. Yep. And as a 40-some-year-old male, even I could tell that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's fair. That's fair. All right, let's do some fantasy before we get out of here. Yeah, um, absolutely. I uh, got to be honest, I was going to throw a few fantasy tidbits together for everybody today. I was going to start doing rewards, but... AstraZeneca kicked his ass. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, ended up taking a couple-hour nap after work instead <laughs> of doing any sort of notes. So all I got for you guys is that three stars from last week. Uh, start number one, Panarin. Had yeah. himself a week last year, four goals, six assists, uh, plus eight, nine shots on goal. So I don't think I've thrown Panarin on our list yet this year. So time to give that guy, a little, the bread man, a little love. Uh, sticking with the Rangers again, uh, Shazirkin. Yeah, he's had, had a himself really good a, Yeah, three weeks, two shutouts, uh, 0.99 goals against average and a 962 save percentage. So how do you argue against those numbers? And then number three, you're going to go to Vegas. Mark Stone, three goals, five assists, plus seven, seven shots on goal. So three rather respectable uh, weeks there for everybody, for our for our three stars this week. Make sure to go and check us out for this weekend, too, for DraftKings. That's going to be fun. We got oh, lots who, of games who, on. Uh, who won last week? Well, Big Kev. Yeah. Was, Big Kev. Uh, I, and yeah. The funny thing is I congratulate him on our on – our, um, yeah. <laughs> on our group chat and brad's like no 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 and then he posted the pickup brad's the pick up. to take yeah. it away from me no, <laughs> gumby, gumby was in the lead and i'm like wait I, i'm looking at it and i'm like 58 points one DraftKings this week what yeah, so yeah. i go back in because i was like oh, okay yeah. i guess i'm wrong i look and i'm like no this week is week 14 this is right Kev won. <laughs> No, Kev's the winner. It was the most. I didn't refresh it from what he previously. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, yeah. it's so funny. But uh, last week was a bit of a late week for us. We only had early games, and in Brad's fair, uh, to be fair to Brad, fifty-eight points could have won last week. It was a rather yes. low-scoring Saturday yeah. night as far as the fantasy world went in general. So, uh, but this week we got nine games this week, so we got lots of action to pick for. Leafs versus Jets, Habs, Flames, and Sens versus the Canucks or the Hockey Night games. So, Hockey Night will actually get to show both game, two games this week. Yeah. It'll be nice. Yikes. It's funny that uh, – I'm I'm still shocked that they didn't move that Habs game up last week. But it was TSN. I it was, guess, yeah, I guess it was that's different true. broadcasting partners, so they didn't that's have right. the option. Yeah. That's right. I guess that's true. Uh, all right. Anything else for us? No, hit me up uh, on Twitter at Big Kev HW Fantasy if you want to get in on our, our league this week. Uh, we'll have uh, some money to be made. Like always in, yeah. We'll try to keep Gumby from taking all our money again. Yeah. Okay. I'll say it again. Right. Fuck, fuck it, Gumby. No, I like. I'm I'm rolling on very little money left in my DraftKings account. Oh yes. I need a I need to pick up a dub. I have so. a buddy who wanted to get in last week, but. Uh... For some reason, he had technical difficulties with the DraftKings site. Oh, okay. So um, he's going to try to reload. It has – the DraftKings world, as far as hockey goes, has got a lot tougher, though. Um, I so, don't know if you guys have been playing much outside of when we have our leagues on Saturday, but 
ever, I read an article on it too, and it says that it happens every year. But once baseball starts, it takes all the casual betters away from hockey and they all go to the baseball world. So now at this point in draft games, you're only kind of, the, you're kind the of hardcore. The, the hardcores and the pros. Eh? So it sucks. Yeah. It has got a lot tougher. I have noticed that myself too. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, Brad, you got questions for Stump the Chum? I do. I do. All right. Let's get, let's get into Stump the Chum right. before we get out of here then. You want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. So, uh, big week for Patty Marlowe. We didn't talk about yep. that earlier. No, we did um, not. That's right. All time leading uh, games played in the NHL. Uh, he passed Gordy Howe, right? Yep. Uh, who is third all time for the NHL games played? I'm going to say Yaramir Yager. Final answer? Ooh, it's either him or Messier. Shit. I'm going to say Mark Messier. Oh, damn it. I should have... Uh... <laughs> I'm going to say Should have forced him to take it first. Yeah, no, it is. It, it, no, it. that's not what changed my answer, though. My my, <laughs> What changed it was Yager moved into, at one point, I think he moved into second overall for points. And, but he had, he had more points. Yeah. His point percentage is better than Messier's. So that's why I switched it. No, Messi- I, I said third. I meant fifth. Who's fifth all time? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's Ron Francis. Is it? Uh, he would have yeah. been up there in numbers anyway. Oh, yeah. Big time. So it's uh, uh, Messi's 1756. Yager's 1733. Francis is 1731. Uh, Marlowe this year went from fifth to first. Yeah, it's nuts. All through the season here. And it's just going to – he'll play next year probably, I would think. That's kind of interesting. No, he's only got, he's got kind of, five points or something like that in the year. So I don't know, maybe it's kind of not. interesting that log jams up so tightly yeah. there at the oh, top. Yeah. Eh? Like, do you wonder if there was almost a little bit of that, like Mark Messier, like, yeah, I could play one more year and break that, that record, up. but I'm going to let like, Gordy keep that? Uh, you know what? Yeah. I wouldn't doubt that that would be a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Honestly. Yeah. All those players are hugely successful in their careers. They really wouldn't have anything to play for at that point, right? So I think I think there's a difference between a guy like Marlowe though and a guy like Messier, whereas Messier probably wants to go out on as top as he can when it comes to his skill. And Marlowe has never been a big point producer to begin Patrick with. Patrick Marlowe has never won a Stanley Cup. Exactly. So he's got reason to play still. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. For it, sure. Yeah. Uh moving along. If Gordy Howe, if his WHA games counted for the NHL totals, how many more games would Marlowe have to play in order to pass Howe for the all-time professional games played? Now I'm going to give you a hint here. 419. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's you, you then. That's his guess? <laughs> Is Did that one of the it? questions for me? No, it's not. I've been looking up these stats all week long. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it's four. Go. It is four nineteen, though, right? Yeah, I was gonna say uh, the question was approximately. I was gonna give yeah. you two twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty. Yeah. So yeah, in nice round numbers. You jerk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, another multiple choice here. What's the best selling candy bar in the world? 
I'll give you four guesses here. Oh They're all God. the top four. Uh, alphabetically here, uh, Kit Kat, Reese Peanut Butter Cup, Snickers, and Toblerone. Oh, shit. This is for the three for three again. Oh, okay, I, I can't say Reese's because that's that would be my favorite. And I, I think, I don't think I'd go with the norm. I'm going to say Toblerone. Final answer. Yeah. It's uh, Snickers. 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 Yeah. yeah. Have you never watched the history on a food documentary? I have not. No. Oh, I should check uh, it out, though. History Channel? Yeah. If you ever see that, that is worth a watch. But it, it, it talks about the whole candy wars. It's rather interesting. That's funny. Ah! <laughs> All right. All right. Not bad. Two for three. Not bad. Not, not bad. bad. Not bad. Okay, here we go. Question number one. Who holds the record? For longest shutout streak in modern NHL history at 332 minutes and one second, which is five consecutive shutouts. Modern NHL history. This happened in like the 90s, right? I've shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? I don't even think it was the 90s. I think it may have been in the 2000s. It was the 2000s? It's going back quite a few years. It's, like, uh, it's a stupid name. Like, uh, oh, You're not going to give me uh, multiple choice here? I think if I give you multiple choice, it gives it away. Okay. It's something like... Uh, I'll give you a team. Sure. Arizona. I was even going to say Arizona. Phoenix. Yeah. It would have been Phoenix at the time. Uh, I'm surprised you don't know this one right off the hop. I think Kev, I got it. You got it, Kev? Yeah. Okay, we'll wait. We'll wait for for Big Brad to throw it down. I thought it was a stupid name, like ah. Like, it's uh, not. It's not a stupid name. Okay. I think he's Canadian. Mike Smith. No, but oh, equatable. Kev, Sean Burke. It's not Sean Burke, no. It's not Sean Burke? Oh. No, it's Brian Boucher. Brian Boucher. Yes. I was Ooh. a little bit it had to be Burke, I thought, Ooh. for sure. All right. Uh, question number two. Which Flames player holds the record for most hat tricks in his Calgary career with 14? I'll give you a, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Sure. I'm, I'm doubling down on this player. Ken Nelson. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that, that was, uh, I was thinking you were doing that. <laughs> Al McInnes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, one for one, or one for two. Question number three, I don't need their names, but there have been 46 presidents in U.S. history. How many have been assassinated? Uh, two. Ooh, is that your final answer? Yes. <laughs> no, it's four. Four, yeah. Abe Lincoln, James A. Garfield, okay. William McKinley, and John F. Oh, Kennedy. The... Okay. And then He's definitely Missy McKinley in that list. Yeah. Almost five with Ronald Reagan. So there you go. Back to back wins for me. Woo! There Whoa. we go. All right, uh, I think that's about it, eh? Why don't we uh, first stump the chump here? Why don't we uh, loser has to take a seat for a week? Take a seat on what? 
uh, the questions then, you and Kev. Oh, so we switch back and oh, forth kind of thing. It's like King of the Hill? Yeah. Well, you, you want to do that? If you want, that. I don't know. Just, just an idea. Works for me. All right, all right. So up next week is Kev and I. Yeah. For Stump the Chump. I like that idea, actually. I'm, I'm going to take a seat. Kind of, you got to re, you got to revamp <laughs> it up, eh? Yeah. He's, we call that. That's okay, but yeah, he's taking a DraftKings break, like I am. Sometimes <laughs> when things aren't going well. Yeah. All right, there we go. Uh, you can find uh, myself DSO67 on Instagram and Twitter. Kev, where can we find you again? Big Kev HW Fantasy on and Twitter. Bradley, where can we find you? B Carl 607 on the Twitter machine and Insta. And then, of course, the High and Wide podcast. You can find that on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, send us some some notes on the podcast, what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, who you'd maybe like for us to reach out for and maybe get as a guest on the pod. Because uh, that's that would always be nice to have some helpful ideas on who to bring on. But uh, that's it for us for now. We'll see you next week. Brad and Kev, we'll talk to you next week, boys. Have a good yeah, one. Have a good week. Go get your shots, people. See you, boys.